Hello and welcome to Media May, the show in which we year by year explore the movies, music, and TV that most evaded our lives. I'm your host, Rod Shadows, and I am joined by... The first contestant, Jess. Also, you didn't say who you are. I did. You said Rod Shadows, but you didn't say your name. Who Ro- is... Rod Shadows. <laughs> Fine, then take out my name. I'm the first contestant. That's my only name. Jess. No! <laughs> and uh, if you're new to the show, welcome. This is a podcast where we talk about entertainment, but not, you know, we, we talk movies, music, and TV, but we do it special. <laughs> we do it special, indeed. What we do is, uh, this is a music episode, for example, we have taken a look at a list of every music album released in the year 2005. We go year by year. Mm-hmm. It's 2005. And we've decided which album each of us had listened to the most in our lives. Not necessarily our favorite. Uh, if it was our favorite, we'd be talking about my favorite band. This is the first time they have an album released in a year, my favorite band, and we're not talking about it. And surprisingly, I'm sad about it. <laughs> Instead, we've got a different thing. Mm. Uh, I'll explain why. But yeah, so if we, we're t- the, the, the albums that most invaded our life from this year. In 2005, I was making my own music. Were you? No. But I feel like this was about the time. No, it was a couple of years before me and my sisters talked very seriously about starting a band with our cousins. None of us can play any music instruments and only like two of us can sing. But we were we were we were ready to become the next um, girls five ever. That might have been our name or it could have just been the cousins. <laughs> it's not. It's, no, I mean, at this time you had to be like an acronym or something. It'd be abbreviations of your names. Oh my gosh, that sounds horrible. There's be, there'd be a lot of J's. A lot of J's. <laughs> the J's would be the JDs. <laughs> that would make sense because there's three J's. There's one D and there's an S. The JDs. Dang it! Triple JDs. If I wasn't so terrified about what a time machine being real would do to society and to um, a lot of things, I would say I would need a time machine to go back and really talk us to become the JDs. Just think about I it. Think we the, could have, we could have had a song on Scrubs. Is, I think really the JDs exist, right? Or is that the JBs? I have no idea. I guess the JBs. I'm thinking of. I've never heard of any of them. So uh, even even if they did, even if they did, we would have done it first. I think the JBs are from the 70s. <laughs> I was born near the 70s. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, as a preamble, I want to I want to share about like my own because I mean, just just as she's always into music. This is true. She's she's listening. 2005. She's listening to her own music. She's vibing. I'm vibing. We, we, we know what kind of music she likes at this point. If you've listened to the last several years of music shows, excuse me. She likes butt rock. You're a butt rock. <laughs> she likes post grunge. This is true. But uh, you know, just like the last couple of years, we're, we're both talking about rock albums. But my music journey is a little different. And if you've listened to the music shows up to this point, you know that Rod was bullied out of liking music. In elementary school, because he liked boy bands like NSYNC. And you would have liked our girl, ga- girl, girl, girl group, the JDs. Probably not, because I didn't like any music. <sighs> <laughs> so I, I told myself, no music. I don't like it. I don't like any of it, uh, which is very silly. But 2005 is, I think, when that when that changed. A. Because by 2005, the video game Grand Theft Auto San Andreas was out, and it introduced me to a lot of music that I like. <laughs> That's true. I was I mean, everything from like Guns N' Roses to like early '90s grunge to mm-hmm. uh, '70s funk, you know, Toto, <laughs> like that classic rock. 
Something, 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 Africa. Well, I mean, they they had a <laughs> hold the line on there. <laughs> that one. Free Bird. <laughs> no idea what that one is. Leonard Skinner. Who skinned Leonard? And because of that game specifically, that's was my gateway drug. And mm-hmm. I got into, so I started listening to classic rock radio because in scanning the stations at one point, I heard Toto's Hold the Line. And I was like, I know that song. I like it. And, you know, so and started, then you never left that station. Cl- classic rock radio, uh, in addition to like borrowing my friend's iPods. So this is middle school, 2005. So my friends had iPods at the time. So I'd borrow them at lunchtime or whatever. And I'm listening, you know, I'm getting into uh, ACDC and Beastie Boys. <laughs> Sublime, mm-hmm. and I'm listening to the radio, and I'm getting into uh, Metallica and Nirvana and Offspring. Offspring. So, and that, that 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 slowly, my music taste started to grow. Okay, Christmas 2006. So a year from now, a year on the from, show. and almost exactly. Never mind. I'm not going to do that math. We just passed Christmas. <laughs> Seven years, seventeen years ago. <laughs> Almost seventeen years ago, just over a week over. <laughs> um, I got my first MP3 player. My parents were too cheap. <laughs> to I don't want to get I don't want to call them cheap, but they were frugal. They were frugal. They your parents are not cheap. They did not buy an iPod for me for Christmas. They you got didn't me need a, one. They gave me a Nokia like MP3 player, like with a little nub. Oh, I thought you were going to say Zune at the very least. No, not a Zune. No, no, no. <laughs> this thing was cheapo. It it broke within like two months. Oh, man. Like like corrupted. Like I couldn't even like uh, oh, yeah, I was gonna say, import music to it. I was going to say broke. You're so careful with your electronics. Yeah, this thing corrupts. was. This thing was. Uh, it was also the age of Napster. So what could you have expected? Well, I mean, I didn't even have Napster. I remember having to like give my friend Aaron my MP3 player overnight and he would go home, download Napster album. Like I would give him like a list. Like hey, here's my playlist, bro. And he would download the music songs. for me. So he's downloading like Motley Crue and Van Halen to my iPod. And then I come home and I'm like, cool. Because <laughs> on Christmas, I got two albums mm-hmm. to import into my Nokia MP3 player. It was uh, Guns N' Roses Greatest Hits mm-hmm. and a live ACDC album. Okay. So that's 2006. And then... Around this point, I'm listening to uh, the station here in Southern California is 96.7 KCAL Rocks. And at the time, now they're, they do like, I think their gimmick is like 90s to now, hard mm-hmm. rock, right? Uh, and they might sprinkle in some 80s stuff. That's a lie. They, they always go further back than the 90s. But back in that time, it was like 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and today. Mm-hmm. That was, I think it was like, you know uh 70s to today kind of thing yeah so it's just like hard rock so everything from like you know late even late 60s like Jimi hendrix mm-hmm. to van halen to metallica to nirvana to modern rock at the time okay okay so i was getting a lot of stuff and they were playing this band we're going to talk about in the first segment so let me introduce that band and then i'll continue the story <laughs> sorry i needed a preamble because this is a very like formative year here, where Rodney is, I'm, I'm into the music at this point. He's changing from boy into slightly older boy. <laughs> <laughs> Released June 6th, 2005, the breakout release and best-selling album of this American heavy metal band. That is City of Evil by Avenged Sevenfold. 
No doubt heard that song. You heard that song? Yeah. I was on a Fuse and MTV. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this was an MTV hit, apparently. Most of the songs we're going to talk about today I've heard, I heard before you. Okay, so... Uh, Half of the songs. <laughs> KCAL started playing Avenged Sevenfold because this was 2005 six. This song was like probably the biggest new metal song mm-hmm. to come out. Like I, I, That and like... Uh, I think like during that season, like the t- they would always say like new music, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I was Avenged Sevenfold. When you say new metal, do you mean like it was a new metal song or it is oh, no, a no, new no. metal this genre? Is, the new metal genre is is gone. Okay. okay. I, I think by 2005, like new metal as like a fad was mm-hmm. over and like there was still a bit of rap rock, you mm-hmm, know, Linkin mm-hmm. Park was still doing like kind of the rap rock thing, right? you know, but like new metal like is going away. Um, so you just mean metal I mean, songs? New, new metal songs same. because we are in the what's known as the new wave of American heavy metal. Got it. And Avenged Sevenfold rose up to become one of the the shining lights of that. Okay, okay. Movement, but at the time, I think it was like the, the new music they were selling was Avenged Sevenfold, and then um, Disturbed new new album at the time. Mm-hmm. Disturbed had a new album at that time, um, and, and Three Days Grace as well. Yeah, coming out uh, that, that they were big. And that you oh, new, are they metal? New music, <laughs> three days grace. Animal, it. I've become. Yeah, but I didn't hear that they would have been playing that song we just heard, "Backcountry." Mm-hmm. But I didn't hear that first. I heard a cover that they were. They must have released it as a standalone single. Mm-hmm. It was a cover of Pantera's "Walk." Okay. Respect. <laughs> Walk. You ever that song? No. It's like a metal classic, Pantera, <laughs> you know. It's a very popular uh, metal band from, you know, the 80s and 90s. That's called Respect Walk? It's called, it, the, the song's called Walk. Ah, I don't know. Let me go into my mind palace and see. I'm just going to play Walk real quick from Pantera. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard this? No. Let me get to the chorus. Hold on. No. So that's like a metal classic. Apparently. Got it, got it, got it. I had never heard that song before. Same. But <laughs> Avenged Sevenfold covered it. They released it as a single and KCAL was playing their cover on the radio. So oh, this is my, cool. that was my first exposure to Pantera in any form. Okay. Now at the time, because I was still new to the the, the rock music, <laughs> I was very picky. And I was, <laughs> like my older sister, she loves uh, Lamb of God and uh, Kill Switch Engaged, you mm-hmm. know, and they were more more uh, extreme metal than uh, what I was listening to, like at the time, you know, mm-hmm. Metallica. Like at that time, I, I considered pretty radio friendly, which is a little <laughs> weird. And they didn't like growl or grunt or anything like that mm-hmm. you know like they weren't screaming right, right? even though so i i heard uh event sevenfold's version of that song walk mm-hmm. and i considered that screaming even though it's more like chanting mm-hmm. they're just like you know like 
yeah. you know, fist pumping chants. Right, right, I right. consider that screaming, which made me pejoratively call it screamo, which it <laughs> is not. But I was a stupid teenager. Uh, and I was like, no, I don't like it. Is Vince Sevenfold? Not my thing. Mm-hmm. Don't like it. I, I don't like that screaming. They do do a lot of growling and screaming in their music. They they did. Yeah. Now they don't. Uh, <laughs> but um. Well, look, it's hard on the the larynx, yeah. and I age catches us all. And we'll we'll get we'll get we'll get to that. But I so I I had written off of Vince Sevenfold, and that was like the only song I realized was them. Mm-hmm. But I also knew they were also playing Bat Country on the radio. Right. And I didn't know that was a Vince Sevenfold. <laughs> I didn't like connect it because the, the vocal style was so different. It is, in fact. It, it's because they were covering a Pantera song. Mm-hmm. So Bat Country would come on and I was like down with it. My sister noticed like, oh, you like that? You're like, she goes, you know, that's a Vince Sevenfold, right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, like, no, I did not. So for my birthday, 2007, uh, my older sister bought me this album for my birthday. Please City of Evil by Vince Sevenfold. Please don't say what age you are. Don't. Don't do it. Stop it. Fif- fif- stop it. Stop. 15? I was a freshman in college in 2007. <laughs> I need to go sit in the corner and think about what I've done with my life. I was 15. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> so I put, it was like, you know, one of like a half dozen, dozen albums on my MP3 player at the time. Mm. So I just had to you know just listen to it because it was all i had you yeah know, if i'm listening to my mp3 player in uh health class <laughs> i'm like you're such a bad student i got nothing left but listen i was a like listen that health <laughs> class was was bunk okay like i didn't learn i learned very little and i think the teacher realized how much i like just dis- i was like just disgusted by the fact that this was a busy work class <laughs> it was a waste of time so Somebody got paid to be there. I know. And I made her feel bad, I think, because <laughs> I I, did, wow. I think I dismissed her role in the class because I didn't. It was like, this is a waste of time. Yeah. But she's there being paid to do a waste of time. So I don't know. Yeah, I was, mm. I was very rude. I was not a good person. No, but that's fine. We're barely good people now. Uh, but yeah, uh, that that's what Event Sevenfold. I was there. It, it was there for my listening pleasure early on in my music listening career. Yeah. <laughs> Once you got back into it. Okay, Which is, okay. it's, I, I heard this album at least a year before I heard uh, my favorite bands release from this year. So, uh, so you've definitely, yeah, I get it, I get it. I get this it. is it. City of Evil, Avenged Sevenfold. I will get into their history if you like. Yes, because I was going to ask, I was going to be like, why is it an evil, why are they called Avenged Sevenfold? Well, he's about to get into history. Do you, do you know what that's a reference to? A book. Yes. The the good one, in fact. Oh, the Bible? Yes. Ah. Huntington Beach, California, 1999. I've been there. High school seniors Matt Sanders, James Sullivan, Zachary Baker, and Matt Went formed Avenge Sevenfold. So named after words spoken by Lamech, descendant of Cain, in Genesis 4 in the King James Version of the Bible. Hmm. <laughs> I've got it. I've got uh, verses uh, 23 and 24 of Genesis 4. Okay. And Lamech said unto his wives, Adal and Zalah, hear my voice. Ye wives of Lamech, <laughs> hearken unto my speech. For I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. Oh my gosh. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech 70 and sevenfold. Uh so if Cain shall be avenged sevenfold for killing his brother Abel, then Lamech, who killed a, another man, and another man, I guess, 
He mm. shall be avenged 77 times. I shall now refer to you as ye husbands. <laughs> well, ye just means the. I understand. You shall be ye husbands. You will be plural and the. So apparently, like, the band, like, they weren't even religious. They just thought that was, like, awesome. Yeah. Which is, like, a very metal thing to do. Like, if you need a metal, like, metal band name. Go to the Bible. Go to the King James Version <laughs> of the Bible. <laughs> You're going to find a good one. I, have, I don't know, man. Jesus is pretty metal. There's, there's a, there is a, a, a subgenre called Christian metal. I, I know. I've heard several songs. I get recommended a lot of wild things because um, both of our music mixes are on my YouTube. I recommend uh, Mortification. No. Austra Australian uh, thrash Christian metal. I recommend Mortified. It's reading your diaries out loud to people. The members of Avenged Sevenfold all came up through the Orange County punk scene, which is not surprising. We had a punk scene. Oh yeah, are you kidding me? Like, like a hard, like yeah, pop punk and and like OC punk was was huge in the nineties. That's weird, but okay. Sanders and Went performed. Hold on, the OC is punk. I guess I guess they were people... bored and rich, so yeah, they wanted yeah, to yeah, be yeah, punk. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I'll be like, I guess there's a lot of rich kids. Uh, I'm hey any bands that came up uh from that I'm not like trying to sass you and like demean you but okay mm, mm, all right <laughs> you may continue with your history Sanders and Went performed vocals and bass respectively in a punk band called Successful Failure <laughs> very teenage band name very teenage band name Sullivan was the drummer in a ska punk outfit called Bomb Squad later known as Suburban Legends which still exists yeah that sounds familiar Suburban Legends is an actual band yeah and Baker played in crust punk bands Society Down and MPA what is crust punk uh crust punk and don't get mad at me punk fans I'm not a big you know I'm not a I'm not a punk historian okay but my understanding is that crust punk is a mix, just one of the many subgenres that mix metal and punk. So, like, I, I saw people say that it was black metal and punk. Why don't they call it monk then? Which, you know, <laughs> monk, monk. I don't know. Don't ask me to tell you the difference between crust punk and crossover thrash or even metalcore. Because, uh, uh, you know, apparently those are all different uh, pairings of metal and punk. But I feel like there are better ship names for these things. Cru crust, <laughs> crusty, you know. It sounds crusty. I guess mm. so. Yeah, and, and kind of like it's like I, I think I saw it was like a mix between black metal and anarcho-punk. Words, okay. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah. Don't come after me, punk fans. I tried my best. <laughs> the band recorded a demo and participated in a few compilation records, catching the attention of Belgian indie label Good Life Recordings. Okay, all the way across the sea. Matt Went left for college in the year 2000, so ex-Suburban Legends bassist Justin Meacham stepped in as a replacement. Hmm. The new lineup entered the studio to record their debut, Sounding the Seventh Trumpet, in late 2000, which is another Bible reference. Yes, that one was more obvious to me. The band decided to take stage names, partly inspired by Guns N' Roses guitarist Slash, and partly motivated to, quote, piss off the quote judgmental hardcore scene of the time slash isn't slash's real name no <laughs> did i know that do you know slash's real name i yeah. i, I no. it's saul i think it's saul no 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 see names that are real slash and seal those are their real <laughs> names 
I wish they were performed together. <laughs> I wonder if they've met. <laughs> His name's Saul Hudson. I feel lied to and betrayed. Anyway, like I, I, there's an interview with, uh, we'll call him Sanders before I reveal what his stage name is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was saying that they came up through the punk scene, and the punk scene is like very gatekeepy, especially like teenage OC punk, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like you got to prove your authenticity to the punk movement, you know? And they're like, we hate these people. <laughs> and they got, they, they, because punk was easy to play, I think they like started, that's where they got their start, you know? Mm-hmm. And they were like pioneers in the, metalcore subgenre okay you know, which they resented mm-hmm. i don't think they ever liked being called a metalcore band mm-hmm. to them they're like we want to be a rock band like guns and roses mm-hmm. uh, so they were just like make the punk fans angry by doing things that like aren't punk enough so, so that taking you can get on kicked out of the punk <laughs> taking on goofy <laughs> goofy stage names is a way to upset the <laughs> punk fans okay sanders became m shadows that's what he's known as today. What's the M stand for? Rod? Matt is oh, his first name. Got it. Sullivan became the Reverend Tholomew Plague. That's pretty terrible, actually. Also, he, he, they, we call him the Rev for short. Okay, that's better. The Rev. Baker became Zachy Vengeance. Okay. And Meacham became Justin Sane. Okay, so he liked David Bowie. Maybe. <laughs> So he was a Bowie fan. Aladdin Sane. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that 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 is that is a reference to David Bowie, and I will hear nothing else. In early 2001, before the album had even released, an enthusiastic good life had Avenged Sevenfold returned to the studio to record an EP titled Warmness on the Soul, which would spawn the band's first music video. Mm. And for all the kids out there that don't know, EP stands for extended play. This was True. not information that I learned this week. Needing a second guitarist, Avenged Sevenfold recruited Brian Hayner Jr., son of esteemed session musician Brian Hayner Sr., ah. and a school friend of the Rev. Cool. What name did he take on? He took on the name Sinister Gates. Okay. For the release. <laughs> That's not bad. Yeah. Sinister Gates. You're starting to hear some names you should recognize if you're an Avenged Sevenfold fan. <laughs> uh, trigger warning uh, for uh, suicide. Okay. So skip ahead like. 20 seconds. In August 2001, Justin Meacham, Justin Sane, attempted suicide, leading to his hospitalization and, according to Shadow's, severe mental impairment. Hmm. Frank Malcolm, under the stage name Damien Ash, thus joined the band on tour to support their first album. Okay. Yep. So he was Justin Sane out. I hope he was okay. I tried to look it up. I don't know. Well, so, yeah. Well, maybe I, it's I, best to keep out of the public eye. Yeah, that I, ho- I hope he's okay. The tour was actually due to be cut short by two weeks because Ash had to attend a wedding. Huh. So he was like, yeah, yeah we're, we're going to leave. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to take off. And the, I think the other band members were a little resentful. <laughs> a chance meeting between M. Shadow's girlfriend, Valerie DiBenedetto, and a friend of the band named Jonathan Seward at a Huntington Beach party changed things. Ah. Hearing from... De Benedetto that the tour was going to be cut short. Seward volunteered to play bass on the remaining dates. Hey, that's good. Also, just so you know, I can't remember what Ash's full name was, but my brain is saying catch him. So did he Damien Ash. Nope, catch him. <laughs> um 
Well, that that is a lucky happenstance. And they had played with him before, so they thought that he, they... he was apparently like the younger brother of one of like the other guys. Fr- like, OK, they had a high school friend. Mm-hmm. Their younger brother was this guy. OK. And so they like knew him growing up. Within a few weeks, Seward, under the stage name Johnny Christ, <sighs> was offered a permanent spot in the band as Ash's replacement. Bye, Mr. Kitchum. <laughs> just, just, it's not working out, dude. Goodbye. Like, I had to go to a wedding. Like, okay. Christ was a high school senior at the time. Oh, okay. And he went on tour? Yep. He dropped, it he dropped out of high school well, to join the band full time. I mean, chase your bliss. It worked out for him. Yeah. I wonder what his OC parents felt about it. Oh, they were Huntington. <laughs> but honestly, do what you want. Well, don't do murder and other such crimes. Yeah, he's still he's still with the band. All right. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't work out, you also still did the thing. And thus, the classic Avenged Sevenfold lineup was complete. Mm. M. Shadows, The Rev, Zacky Vengeance, Sinister Gates, and Johnny Christ. Got it. How much younger was Johnny Christ than everyone else? Just like a couple of years? Like, I, I'm guessing two years because um, if they graduated high school in 99. Yeah, makes sense. He was a senior in 2001. so Makes sense. Yeah. The band continued to tour, recorded their second album, Waking the Fallen, in 2003, and were subsequently signed to Warner Brothers Records. What happened to their Belgium record? If you're with an indie label and Warner Brothers comes knocking, you leave the indie label. I guess. At the time, Avenged Sevenfold was considered part of the metalcore subgenre, which mm-hmm. is the crossover of hardcore punk metal uh, with songs featuring more screaming and growling than clean vocals. Okay. Uh, I can provide you an example if you'd like. This is from their first album. I do not like. Dark <laughs> This has less growling in it? Less? I said more. Okay, I thought you said this is from their first album and this had less growling. Oh, no, 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 no. Their first out, al- their first two albums were all metalcore. Got it. So that's what that was. Got it. Uh, you've heard the songs from the new album. Yeah. Less so. Yes, yes. That makes sense. I, I was not a fan of that thing you just played. <laughs> you know, it's actually really funny. A 2007 time when I was like, you know. First getting into Avenged Sevenfold, mm-hmm. uh, I remember in gym class, uh, there was a, I had a friend named Ben who, uh, you know, we would chat about music and stuff like that. He liked metalcore and stuff like this. So when I told him, oh, yeah, I, I like this Avenged Sevenfold, he's like, w- w- which albums? <laughs> and I said, oh, the the new one, City of Evil. And he's like, ugh, <laughs> they got, they suck now. <laughs> He's like, he is not a fan yeah. of the clean vocals. To mm. him, true Avenged Sevenfold is when they were punk. Mm. And so they sold out. Well, so he was, that's exactly he, what they wanted to they, sell That's out who of. they wanted. Yeah. yeah they, they, he was not. Yeah. It was, it was. It's just kind of funny that I encountered someone like that. <laughs> so You were their target demographic to end their relationship with. For their next release, the band decided to abandon the metalcore style that defined their first two albums and embrace a more diverse heavy metal style Mm. with influences ranging from Metallica, Blind Guardian, Sonata Arctica, Halloween, Children of Bodom, Guns N' Roses, and Danny Elfman scores. Scores as in like... Yeah, like um, Danny Elfman is the composer of uh, such films as... Lion King. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) 
such films as uh, uh, Edward Scissorhands. Ah. Basically everything that uh, Tim Burton's ever done. I was gonna say he's Tim Burton's man. He is. He is a hot topic favorite. Ah. As was Avenged Sevenfold at the time. Well. I remember I went and saw Avenged Sevenfold live in early 2009. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, a lot of emos there. A lot of emos. A lot of the hot topic crowd. They loved Avenged Sevenfold. Makes sense. And you look at these guys and like you're like, oh yeah, they 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 were they were big hits at Hot Topic. <laughs> M Shadows told MTV, quote, when we started working on this record, we said, you know what? None of our favorite bands are super extreme. They just write really good melodic songs that are still heavy. So we decided we didn't want to scream anymore. Instead, we wanted to make a rock record for the new ages. Something with a lot of singing, textures, and vocal harmonies. And we couldn't do any of that with all the screaming. Mm-hmm. So I totally get it. Yeah. You know, they were just like, we don't even like the music we make. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting because they, they, M. Shadows seemed to be like, he did not like metalcore. He didn't like the fans. He didn't like the music. He did not like other bands who were making music <laughs> that they pioneered. Yeah. He was like, no, I, I, we, we did not, we didn't even like listening to, to metalcore. So mm-hmm. we were like, get out of here. <laughs> You're like, oh, how did we, we end like. up in this line? This was not the line. Why think, are we in front of this line? I think at the time it was just like, it's easy to scream. Mm-hmm. Like he was saying that. It's like, it's, it's totally easy to write a song where you're just screaming. Mm-hmm. You don't have to think about vocal melody or anything. Yeah. You know, it's like, if you can't think of anything, just scream. Uh, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that. I'm going to put it on a shirt. If you can't think of anything, just scream. I'm going to wear it outside. And if anybody upsets me, I'm just going to start screaming. To better tackle the band's new style, Shadows turned to vocal coach Ron Anderson, hmm. known for his work with Guns N' Roses, Axl Rose, and Soundgarden's Chris Cornell. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. He told uh, Blustering.com, <laughs> <laughs> quote, Ron taught me how to have the grit to my voice while still having the tone. He brought all of that to the table, and he brought the technique to my voice. I've worked with him for about a year and a half now, but I worked with him for nine months before the record. I told him that I want my voice to sound different from everybody else, but I wanted those characteristics to my voice. We also had him in the studio, and he produced the vocals on the whole record. It was one of those things that we just wanted to go all the way with. Hmm. So I was like, good. He's like, no one sounds like him, Shadows. He's, he to- that's totally right. He's, yeah. like, he, he's got a very unique voice, mm-hmm. which it's like a blessing and a curse. Like a, he's, He is talented. Like mm-hmm. he, you know, he can hit a note. He can... You know, do the what is that vibrato? Vibrato. Like he is a he is a good singer, not a great singer. Mm. Like you know what I mean. Like he doesn't have a lot of range. Mm-hmm. 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 So like you hear songs where like he's really trying, and you know you you can tell like it's almost out of his range, and he's struggling. <laughs> yeah. But he's he's pulling it off. Um, but, but can he hit that D? But it's a blessing. <laughs> note. Can he hit the note D? <laughs> But it's a blessing because no one sounds like him. He doesn't sound like every other metal singer out there. Mm-hmm. So I, I like it. I like that he's got his own little tone. I appreciate your opinion. I do not share it. You're not a fan? <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, I am not. The thing that I kept thinking listening to all of these songs was I do not like his voice. I don't like it. And that's the thing. Like, I think. Sometimes with 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 rock bands, it's like if you don't vibe with the voice, you don't vibe with the songs. That's fair. That's how I feel about other bands. Yeah. That's how I feel about Beyonce. Cut that. <laughs> Recording on the album titled City of Evil wrapped in April 2005. The first single, Burn It Down, 
the first taste of the band's new direction released June 5th, with the full album dropping the next day. Oh. The single was met with derision from fans in the metalcore scene. Yeah. They did an interview, um, and it, it sounds like the band members were going on to like music forums, and were like, oh, they hate it. They hate <laughs> it. <laughs> like, are, are you familiar with the band Thrice? I believe I've heard you say them before. I, I'm not a big. I'm not, I'm not a fan of Thrice, but I, I think they're in the metalcore scene too. They came mm-hmm. up at, at the same time, and it's like they were on the Thrice message boards mm-hmm. on the internet, and the Thrice fans were like, "Oh, they suck. <laughs> this song sucks. They're selling out. They're switching up. You don't have to sell out when you switch up." And the album sales lagged along until the release of the follow-up single, Backcountry, mm-hmm. in August. And that's when things really took off. Yeah. But we'll talk Backcountry a little bit later. That's the history of the album. Hey. We can start getting into the songs. I almost was going to have us listen to Burn It Down because that was like everyone's first glimpse of what the new Avenged Sevenfold was going to be. Mm-hmm. But I found a better song to talk about. Okay. Yeah. So we're actually going to open with another single from the album. Uh, this one... uh I think this one was like not not as big as Backcountry, but you know I remember this one being pretty big. This was in a Guitar Hero two. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I feel like they were pretty equal. They got pretty equal like play on the music channels. Well, what what like song the videos. is what song is that? What song are we opening with? The Beast and the Harlot. <laughs> Beast and the Harlot. Listen, I I, I want to praise the production of this album. They these arrangements are so big. They they are honestly. Yeah, and and uh, hold on, hold on. I got you can hear the the drum fills there. Like it, yeah. it's insane. The rev is so good. Yeah, I I definitely can say I hear him. Typically, drums are so important. They're the backbone of music in general. If something is missing, drums you feel it. But sometimes when drums are there, I don't necessarily hear them. Uh, I can say I hear the rev often. And I sometimes like, what is the choice? Why are we making that? Why are we hitting a cowbell? And then uh, Sinister Gates is one of the greatest metal guitarists of our generation. Like he, he is at, at this time, like he's one of the best coming up. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, something about him and uh, him and Zachy together. Like the the kind of they do like the uh, they do the Iron Maiden like twin guitar solo thing you know like where they kind of harmonize with each other like it just sounds so good right 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 like, they're they're the best parts of the band <laughs> the, 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 the Sinister Gates the Rev and Zacky Vengeance are like <laughs> and then M Shadows brings his own texture to the mm-hmm. band because he sounds so different yeah uh, but musically musically I mean, this song rocks it's so good <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great metal song. Uh, the the sound of it, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, like the riff, the the epicness, the loudness. It's got a it's got a fullness. It's got that wall of sound. Yeah. Um, and then the, the subject matter is just so metal. <laughs> what is it? What's the song about? I don't know. Really? Honestly, for a lot of the things, I was like, "What are we talking about?" Someone I... needs to read Revelation a bit more. Oh no, I've never gotten through it. <laughs> the uh, the song is. Directly inspired by Revelation 17 and the oh, Fall of Babylon, like absolutely it, I, not. it is one just just that's just that passage in the Bible translated into a song. Hey kids, poetry is not 
my forte. I like it in spoken word and in songs that make sense to me. Even vocal, but even biblical poetry is not her jam. Bib- even biblical poetry is not like it's so hard for me to get through it because I'm like I don't I don't I don't I can't I don't I don't, I don't. so no I had no idea I was very confused but okay cool if you'd like me teach read, me sir I, I will read the uh, the NIV version of uh, Revelation 17 here some 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 passages of it if you'd like I'd prefer the message. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's going to sound lame. <laughs> I'll, I'll do that maybe in a second. <laughs> One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. Then I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She held a cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. The name written on her forehead was a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. And skipping ahead a little bit to to verse 15, And the angel said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute sits are people, multitudes, nations, and languages. The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat of her flesh and burn her with fire. And God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to hand over to the beast their royal authority until God's words are fulfilled. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. What all that means, you know, is up for interpretation. I don't think we need to get into it, but we can all agree <laughs> that's metal, bro. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there are definitely some things that you quoted from scripture that are in here. One hundred percent, just you, from the from just, in the song, just in words. I was like, "Yep, okay, that was that's in uh, the second verse." <laughs> yep, there sat a seven-headed beast, ten horns raised from his head. Symbolic woman sits on his throne, but hatred strips her and leaves her naked. The Beast and the Harlot. Yes, that is that he that was a reading from the lyrics. Yep. Just in case you were confused if he was still reading from the Bible. No. No, that was the lyrics. <laughs> they are very similar. And then the chorus of sorts says, She's a dwelling place for demons. She's a cage for every unclean spirit, every filthy bird, and makes us drink the poison wine to fornicating with our kings. Fallen now is Babylon the Great. This song is about Babylon the Great. Which was the mysterious thing on her 
for him. That was her. That was her name. Like her name. Uh, ah. Yeah. Um. This is the, the whole passage is called the Fall of Babylon. So. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. What about that message? You want the message version? So the message version of the Bible is, uh, is a translation that's like for for the normies. Like it's for the like pe- me who doesn't do poetry. It's like the people who need like I need the most literal elementary uh, <laughs> translation of what you're saying. Look, I don't always use the message, but I do occasionally when I'm like, wait, but what are you saying? I actually just think the message is really funny. It is very funny. Yeah, the message the message version is so funny. <laughs> they give you so many synonyms for words because you're like, I don't know if you know this word, so I'm going to give you three synonyms. I'll just read uh, verses one through five in the message. <laughs> one of the seven angels who carried the seven bowls came and invited me. Come, I'll show you the judgment of the great whore. Wow. <laughs> who sits enthroned over many waters. The whore. It's, wow. It's, in, it's capitalized. With whom the kings of the earth have gone whoring. Goodness. <laughs> Show you the judgment on earth dwellers drunk on her whorish lust. Okay. <laughs> There's a metal band name right there. Whorish lust. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the message is going too hard. Calm down. Calm down, my guy. Tuck your shirt tails in. In the spirit, he carried me out in the desert. I saw a woman mounted on a scarlet beast stuffed with blasphemies the beast had seven heads and ten horns the woman was dressed in purple and scarlet festooned with gold and gems and pearls festooned (laughs) she held a gold chalice in her hand brimming with defiling obscenities her foul fornications a riddle name a riddle name riddle hyphen name was branded on her forehead, Great Babylon, Mother of Whores, and Abominations of the Earth. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> just as metal, but it's, way it's, more it's, rude. It's metal, dude. <laughs> way more rude. Oh, man. Nothing's oh. more metal than the Bible. It's so funny. <laughs> I mean, you know what they say, iron sharpens iron. And any, anything you wanted to pick out about this song? or Does this enlighten your understanding of this song? No, but it does. It does give me like because a question I had probably I wrote around the last song. Uh, what after reading and listening through them was like they got a lot to say about like specifically the monotheistic religion of crea- Christianity, whatever subset you're talking about. But also very much state that yeah but i don't actually believe in that in their lyrics they're talking a lot about it but also are in the lyrics stating that yeah but we don't give any like credence to this and then also with your history of it saying like yeah they're not they didn't seem to be very like religious and i was so that like gives me more of a like okay they're they're like appropriating the vibe yeah that's that's the thing i was like i i but that's that's a metal thing to do. Like the metal bands do that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's fine. Uh, or if that that is the truth, I I think that like it makes him like, how do I feel about that? I don't know, man. Like, I don't think I like it. I don't think I like not because I'm like, oh, you guys aren't saying the good things about God. Like, no. But it's like one of those things where it. This is just the feeling I have. I'm not like going to say like oh they're evil for doing this but it feels very much like when uh people from 
countries that are not the U.S. and do not have any black people start making hip hop or music like that. And then they start saying like, yeah, this is black culture. And they're doing a bunch of like gang stuff and da 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 saying like that. That's what that is like because I'm into hip hop. That is gang saying they're the same thing without having a true understanding of everything. Right. And so this is like this is like, oh, this is the appropriation of taking like yeah, there are some really heavy metal parts about the Bible. All of it is pretty heavy metal. Um, but it's just like, but we're only going to talk about the slanderous stuff where I'm like, that's fine, but there should be a balance. And yeah. that's like the feeling or like the feeling of, well, again, taking the other thing where it's not like, well, we're just saying this is all it is. It's just kind of, you know. Does that make sense? It, it does. Okay. But, so that's just you ask, like, does it give a different light? So that's the light that it gives to me. So it makes me, like, step back a little and kind of want to read over it again and be like, okay, like, I don't know. <laughs> well, let me defend them a little bit. Yeah, defend I think them. They're use, I mean, Johnny Christ in an interview to uh, V13 mm-hmm. uh, said as much, but apparently they, they wanted to use the city of Babylon as a metaphor. Mm-hmm. For modern society of the time, the decadence mm-hmm. of modern society. So let me read his quote here. Quote, it's just like in the context of the Beast of the Harlot, it was like ancient Babylon, you know, like the city of decadence that was burnt down, you know, he says, you know, a lot. <laughs> and for us in the present, it's like everywhere we go, you know, like Vegas or Amsterdam or anything, you know, it's just all those decadent cities with the seedy underworld going on in it. It's just something that we find interesting and we have fun in those places. And, you know, it's like going to Vegas. We always have a blast and we're like four hours away, three hours if you speed. So, yeah. So Avenged Sevenfold, in a way, were carrying on the tradition of the raunchy party rock. Mm-hmm. Raunchy, dirty, uh, decadent, hedonistic party rock of Aerosmith in the 70s, Van Halen, Guns N' Roses. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say at, at, in the mid-2000s, like the two bands who were really into that, like, you know, kind of drug, sex, and rock and roll party rock. Mm-hmm. Venge Sevenfold, even though they were doing more like, you know, uh, fantastical epic stuff too. Uh, and and Buck Cherry. And, it was just, and, and, you know, ironically, I saw them both together in mm-hmm. 2009. Buck Cherry is all about, you know, doing cocaine and having a lot of sex. Okay. <laughs> and rocking and rolling. Yeah. I mean, I and th- that defense is defensible. I am not trying to I, – I think that my thought process isn't to say they shouldn't be doing this at all. But even with uh, Christ, Justin Christ. Johnny Christ. Johnny Christ. Just insane was a different thing. Uh, even with that said, I I can see the the parallels of just kind of what society is, but it's not the only song that rips that way, you know. Yeah. So it's it's the uh, uh, for me the accumulate accumulation of it. But that also being said, you only chose four songs. Three of them do that, um, but. Maybe that's not all of their stuff. Maybe they're just kind of like, oh, this, I really want to write about this. And I think this is a, a great foil for it, a great way to present it. And that is fine, right? Like, that's fine. Um, and I'm not saying it, well, I'm not saying it's bad for that reason. I'm just saying, oh, that just kind of makes me feel a way. I do think it's funny that 
you know, we, we read the Bible verse and it really makes like the fall of Babylon, like the, like the Babylon, the, the evil city, right? The city mm-hmm. of evil. That's where the album night title came, comes from. Right. You know, this song. Uh, it's like it's a warning. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, no, this is this is bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, the, the, this is the path of destruction for yeah. this evil city. You know, all of the evil of the earth is culminated here. Uh, whereas Johnny Christ is like, no, man, we love it. <laughs> it's like it's a metaphor for Las Vegas. We love Las Vegas. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, it's it's the indulgences in, in kind of the worldly evils, mm-hmm. especially for like, you know, a group of young men. That's true. That's the way it goes. very young. But uh, to, to dwell on the OK, this is a metaphor for Las Vegas or um, I guess the the music video director the, the guy who did the music video like said he he saw the the song as a metaphor for uh for Hollywood and mm-hmm. Los Angeles you know which is also kind of you know glitz and glamour and right also has like a seedy underbelly kind of thing yeah uh the lyrics the day has come for all us sinners if you're not a servant you'll be struck to the ground flee the burning greedy city looking back on her to see there's nothing around I just like greedy city, mm-hmm. you know, I don't believe in fairy tales and no one wants to go to hell. You've made the wrong decision and it's easy to see. Now, if you want to serve above or be the king below with us, you're welcome to the city where the future is set forever. I don't know. There's a bleakness in the lyric where mm-hmm. it's like, I think they recognize it's like, yeah, we're very self-destructive, mm-hmm. but uh, we don't care. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like, it's sort of like Welcome to the Jungle, right? You know, mm-hmm. like in that song, Welcome to the Jungle is describing this like scary, evil place. But at the end of the song, it's an invitation. It's like, well, I, we're here now. You can join us if you want. Right. Yeah. I, and I think I definitely see that. I, I had also underlined the like, uh, now if you want to serve above or be a king with us below. Those are not the exact lyrics. <laughs> uh I before that same reason that like that there is a choice and that they are what is it recognizing that there is a choice I even I don't know man the line before you've made the wrong decision and it's easy to see now if you want to serve above or be a king uh below with us uh so I, I just it does feel very much like hey there are choices you've already made the wrong decision so you can try to climb back up or and be a servant or just you know, stay here with us and we'll, we'll have a good time. But like even in verses before that, uh, where we're talking about Babylonian and all those things, uh, the city in jewels and gold, fine linen, myrrh and pearls, her plagues will come all at once as her mourners watch her burn, destroyed in an hour. The city dressed in jewels and gold, fine linen. And I like I've circled that. I was like, 
significance of this time. Just the idea that like all of this glitz and glam, even in the lyrics are saying like, yeah, it's going to be wild and glitzy and beautiful and amazing. And it's going to be destroyed in a very short time. And if you are there, you will be destroyed along with it, you know? And it's just kind of that, like that. I, I think r upon reading it, knowing what it's based on uh, and the, their stance, like the, stance of the song not necessary whatever the like and it's worth it <laughs> you know yeah like i don't know man this it, it, for them it's like the rock and roll lifestyle is about burning out you know Ugh. just just going hard as fast as possible hey um um avenged kids i know you are grown and older than us at this point in real life but i'm talking to you when you were in your early 20s as a woman in her mid thirties, burnout is not fun. Listen, I, I <laughs> burnout is the worst. The song is kind of sad now that I think about it. It I, is. I, I don't want to jump. Like I don't want to skip ahead. Mm -hmm. But I think they've learned the lesson that this this rock and roll like lifestyle uh, has its setbacks. Yeah, learned it in uh, this in album, or no. that's yeah, okay. Because I was yeah. like, I don't see that lesson in this no, album. No, 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 no. But no, we'll no. get the to where we went from learned, here. <laughs> uh, sadly, mm, yeah. If you know the Event Sevenfold story, you know what I'm talking I about. I don't. Are we going to need trigger warnings? No. Okay. Um, well, maybe. I mean, yeah. Check those trigger warnings for sure. Yeah. So I think that like. It is those it is those things, right? Because even the few things that I did uh, highlight on my copy of this when I listened to it without any information, um, symbolic woman sits on his throne, but hatred strips her. And outside, just reading this, I, I was like, "Who's hatred? Like, what is the hatred that is stripping her?" And I, I know that we're going to the Bible, <laughs> uh, but if we're going to say that this is a uh, mirror of society if that is they were like we're using biblical words and imagery to reflect the society in which we live in then um there sat a seven-headed beast ten horn ten horns raised from his head a symbolic woman on his throne and hatred tears her down or, or strips her bare and the idea that like is it the hatred of this seven-horned king who sits this woman on his throne to laugh at her, ridicule her, and have the world do the same, and having that hatred strip her down, um, leaving her na naked so that she is left with nothing but to be filled up as a dwelling place for demons, right? Like, this kind of idea that, like, we put people, right? I, it does say woman here. That's a biblical thing, though. But we put people up on this throne uh, so that people others can look at them and and um catalog them even your friend was like oh they suck now you know uh to put them in this place in society where nothing is hidden so that yeah there's some people that are holding up that throne being like oh this is great but there are even more that with hatred tear into them right like we know especially with anyone in any kind of industry what that looks like and what you are left filled with if you're on the if you're literally on the the uh the boards that these guys are on or if you look at comments or you you will see an overwhelming amount of hatred before you see anything else and what what does that fill you up with when your joy is stripped you know i think maybe it's like a reflection of like self-hatred you know because mm -hmm. like when i think of like the, the the image of the woman you know here you know like there's there it's the image of defilement Mm -hmm. you know 
and and it's just kind of like this it's like this loss of innocence kind of thing yeah you know like self-destruction um and and now i'm just thinking of poor little johnny christ his this high school senior he's such a baby you know who who dr- he dropped out of high school and is now like and he was talking about it, he's like i wasn't old enough to drink but the the guys would just get me into the clubs tell me oh yeah he's with us don't worry about it you know and they never checked my id so he's like he's living it up mm-hmm. you know he grew up too fast yeah yeah and i think that's like that, that's like one of the hollywood tragedies you know like young, young people looking for glitz and glamour and, and success and yeah. you know they'll live their dreams you know, they grow up too fast and, and it ends up like, you know, on the path to destruction. Kind All of thing. I'm picturing is Drew Barrymore and it makes me incredibly sad. You know, Michael Jackson. That's fair. All of those things. Uh, I And I think especially for Johnny Chrysler, right? Like to be that age, I like I don't I don't clearly remember things as well as you do. Right. Like my memory is not as sharp as yours, but I can remember being. 18 and 19 and believing I was an adult and so some of the rules and laws that are put in place that are just like that's stupid I'm an adult like let me and I didn't go around like doing a bunch of drinking mostly because I have a control issue and I don't want anything to ever allow me to be put in a position where I cannot control myself so I stayed away from things like that but like there are things that are are like at that age given a key to whatever <sighs> like, like it is quite a special feat for someone to come out on the end of that having not damaged themselves and everyone around them yep that's a great segue to uh, the next song <laughs> is it a great segue yeah, because it feels the next, horrible the next song uh we'll talk about in a second but i do want to just close out this discussion about beast and the harlot with a guitar solo because uh, oh i had something to say about the music too go ahead it was um the music uh after the first I didn't put a timestamp. After the first chorus, it starts off with like a slide whistle sound, and I liked it. Well, let's see if it's, it shows <laughs> up here. I'm not sure. That's Sinister Gates just just ripping. Mm-hmm. He's so good. Good job, Gates. And this is like one of the hardest songs in Guitar Hero too, as well. You know? I bet. Um, so I just I got to shout them out there because like we're gonna we're gonna hark on the lyrics a lot, but uh, you cannot dismiss the instrumentality in Avenged Sevenfold. Yeah, they are, they are at the peak of their powers here. I have another one in the next song where I was like, oh, I really like the the first two bars of this guitar break. There's no timestamp. Monster. <laughs> All right. Well, we opened the segment with this song, but we, now we can actually talk about it. But Bat Country. He who makes a beast out of himself. Finish that off for me. Gets rid of the pain of being a man. Yep. Uh, do you that was know? good. They didn't write that. I didn't think so, but <laughs> I, I was like, oh, that must be quoting something, but I like it. Yeah, do you know what you want me, me to tell you what they were quoting? Is it Tom Sawyer? No. What is it? Well, so th- it's a direct quote from Samuel Johnson. Samuel L. Jackson? Uh, and that quote opens both the book and film adaptation of 
Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh. So they were really harking on the party party town. You mm-hmm. know, the city of sin type thing. City of evil, city of sin. <laughs> it makes sense, right? Yeah, I guess. Las Vegas. So yeah, yeah, yeah. this song was inspired, like heavily inspired by the 1971 novel Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas by Hunter S. Thompson, as well as the 1998 film adaptation. Hmm. Okay. Have you read or seen those? Never even heard of it. You never heard of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? Nope. Okay, well, I've seen the movie. It's weird. <laughs> Why did you look at me like I am an uncultured swine? I was like, not even to hear about it. Come on. <laughs> it's got Johnny Depp in it. Oh, well, I dislike Johnny I, Depp I as an actor. <laughs> no, the, movie's, the movie is intensely strange. I, I don't even like it. Mm. You won't like it. I, I feel like I want to watch it again just to like understand it a little better, but mm-hmm. it is bonkers. <laughs> it's a movie about uh, Hunter. So Hunter S. Thompson is a gonzo journalism. Mm-hmm. Gonzo journalist. So he... Uh, he has like, a big blue nose. He would like to, in order to like get a story or to write a book, he would like live it. Mm-hmm. And so he wrote this book about going to Las Vegas with his lawyer and just doing a bunch of drugs. It was like a four day bender. Mm-hmm. And he did it and wrote a novel about it. So it's like semi autobiographical about his crazy bender in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a, <laughs> I've got a clip from the film. Just to demonstrate what this movie is kind of about. This is at the very beginning of the movie. Okay. Suddenly, there was a terrible roar all around us. And the sky was full of what looked like huge bats. All swooping and screeching and diving around the car. And a voice was screaming, holy Holy Jesus, Jesus, what are these goddamn animals? We had two bags of grass, 75 pellets of mescaline, five sheets of high-powered blotter acid, a salt shaker half full of cocaine, a whole galaxy of multicolored uppers, downers, screamers, laughers. Also a quarter tequila, quarter rum, case of beer, pint of raw ether, two dozen animals. Not that we needed all that for the trip, but once you get locked into a serious drug collection, the tendency is to push it as far as you can. So that's what happens. <laughs> they do ether and uh, it, it becomes a fever dream. Mm. It, so it was... Uh... The Hangover before The Hangover. In a way, it's sort of like The Hangover, which I'm, I'm assuming no, the, hangover the Hangover ripped it off a little bit. Yeah, but, or, or was inspired by. But it's very dreamlike, where the characters do ether and they just like they they, they just see things. You know, it's like a psychedelic fever dream <laughs> mm. where they're walking through the casino and everyone's a dinosaur. It's insane. <laughs> uh, but the so this song "Bat Country" is a reference to the beginning of the movie where Johnny Depp right after that. They, they're going to stop and pick up um, Toby Maguire, the hitchhiker. Mm-hmm. And Johnny Depp tells his lawyer, he's like, no, don't stop here. This is bat country. Okay. Because he's, he's having, he's Cause he's, having hallucinas- he's having hallucinations. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's tripping. He is, in fact, tripping. Yep. So the movie starts with the quote, he who makes a beast out of himself gets rid of the pain of being a man. Which, you know, is very apropos yeah. for, for the themes of the film, which is about like, why do people, you know, it's like a meditation on why are, why do people, why are people self-destructive? Mm-hmm. Why do people need escapism in the form of drugs? Yeah. You know, why, and it's like dr- weird drug dependency and stuff like that. Like it's a horror story about drug use. Yeah. So this song in a way I, I think is also pretty interesting. I wish I could look up and see how many of these are direct quotes mm-hmm. from the book. I just didn't have time. Yeah. Um, but I think this song also meditates on the positives and negatives of this self-destructive lifestyle. Yeah. 
this has nothing to do with what you just said, but the first part of the first verse, I put Burning Man. Caught in a fiery blaze, won't lose my will to stay. I tried to drive all through the night. The heat stroke ridden weather, the barren empty sights, no oasis here to see, the sand singing deathless words to me. Burning Man? Or The Road to Las Vegas. That's fair. But could it just be a Burning Man concert? Well, in a way, yeah, because that's just as hedonistic and yeah. no party town. And there's no Oasis. <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes sense to me. Or Yeah, with, with, it, with saying, obviously, that this is based off of a movie that is going to Vegas. But I, I, yeah, for me, especially when we get to, like, the tripping later i was like oh it's burning man you give us an example no because i gotta as i adjust to my new sights the rarely tired lights will take me to new heights my hand is on the trigger i'm ready to ignite meaning i'm, I'm ready to party it up mm -hmm. tomorrow might not make it but everything's all right mental friction follow me show me what it's like to be set free about to shoot up mental fiction mental fiction okay well, okay that, that falls into hallucination yes yeah i was just like that doesn't say friction but uh, it's a little bit of both yeah i was like what does mental fix friction look like oh wait uh yeah ready to ignite meaning for me to light up ready to be set free yeah it's just the whole thing i i don't have too much to say about this one other than like yeah it, the whole thing is very much like we're about to party whatever that means um and we don't care how it goes like i don't know the line like show me what it's like to be set free is something that just kind of like makes you ponder right like so it makes you think the person who's saying it feels trapped feels they, locked down they're trying to get rid of the pain of being a man yeah just like this existential dread this is why people do psychedelic drugs it's mm -hmm. to like free your mind it's to like escape you know what it is to be a, a grown-up yeah because it's hard one of the most terrifying things in the world is being an adult <laughs> i get it That's i definitely you, I, get I it i think you watch fear and loathing. if i was to watch fear and loathing in las vegas now i'd understand the deep existential dread that it like kind of is hinted at by the actions of the film mm -hmm. yeah and uh so uh, the lyrics of this song fit very well with the buck cherry song lit up Mm -hmm. You know, it's all it's just a it's just a straightforward, no frill song about doing cocaine. It, it is like <laughs> we're I, doing I it. love the cocaine. It's the chorus. <laughs> and where this song differs from that is I think this song actually slows down and actually like meditates on maybe like the realities of this existence, not just the not just like 
the moments when you're high mm-hmm. and and set free, but like the moments when you're not and you realize like why am I doing this? Yeah. So the song slows down and breaks down, which is also there to show uh why Avenged Sevenfold is a little different. Mm-hmm. You know, they were a little bit more progressive than you. Yeah, I was thinking that when band. I was listening to it, I was like, oh, are they considered progressive? Because they there's are a lot now. of movements. <laughs> they are now. <laughs> um, they, uh, at the time, I think they were flirting with it, you know, and I think mm. the Rev, uh, who is, he's the drummer and one of the chief lyricists at this time. <clears throat> uh, he, I think, was experimenting with different, you know, <laughs> music styles and, and different arrangements and stuff like that. So the song slows down a little bit of a breakdown. Mm-hmm. And, uh, M. Shadow sings, so sorry you're not here. Yeah. I've been chained too long. My vision's so unclear. Now take a trip with me, but don't be surprised when things aren't what they seem. So in a way, it's sort of like um, I think that's also a reference to like psychedelic, you know, psychedelic hallucinations. But at the same time, it's like it's kind of like a melancholy here, you know? Yeah. uh, I've been chained so long and my vision's so unclear. So mine says I've been sane too long, not chained. Oh. So so and that was a a thing that I was going to talk about because I had circled that. Interesting. Uh, I had already circled that, but then going back to talking through. That it is about a, a trip, a very long trip. The idea that like this is obviously not the first time I'm doing this, but it's I tried. Maybe I tried to go clean. Like, uh, so sorry you're not here. I've been staying too long. Like you've almost had to get away from somebody who was helping to keep you sober, or uh, else somebody who you were like, now nah, we usually trip together, but I I can't wait for you. Like I've been staying too long. My vision is. It's both. It changes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So it starts with chained, and then I've been sane so long. Okay, I was looking. I was like, did, I was like, is it sane one place and chain another? But mine has it the same way. Oh some, yeah, both I, places. Google has it two different yeah. places. So to me, it's sort of like sane. Sorry, the chained makes it feel like, oh, I need to escape this mundane reality, man. Right. Like, let's shoot up. This is great. And then, oh man. <laughs> Like it's been too long since my last hit, yeah. right? And so that was the thing that I was I was thinking because right after like it says, uh, "Now take this trip with me," right? Like, and, and that's that's what it felt like, right? It feels very much like, uh, "Hey, you're you're not here uh, to stop me, or you're not here to do it with me." But whenever you get here, like let's do this together because I'm already going. And then the last verse, I think, is so. Sometimes I know why we'd rather live than die. We look up towards the sky for answers to our lives. We may get some solutions, but most just pass us by. Don't want your absolution because I can't make it right. I don't know. Like, there's just this existential questioning. Like, we look up towards the sky for answers to our lives, and we don't find it. 
we're mm -hmm. lost. What what else to life is there than to just enjoy the the little highs? Yeah, this was actually one of the lines that I wrote down. I was like, I, I put they really don't like this God thing. <laughs> no. And then, but then like right after that uh, chorus towards the end of uh, it'll be what two verses down. It starts, it says, can't you help me as I'm starting to burn all alone. Right. So I put like, you really don't like this God thing. You're looking up, trying to find help, help and answers, but you're not getting any, but you're still calling out for help. Right. Yeah. And the you that they're calling for is probably not God, but no. still it's the, it's this kind of the idea that like, regardless this this uh person this point of view is i can't do it alone whatever it might be i need something and i tried looking up i tried this god <laughs> possibly um but even now i'm here alone and you couldn't make it and you're not here with me but can you help me you know just this kind of uh even within this like oh this cry for it's a party and it's great and we're just going to trip and forget everything and we're going to forget our humanity and we're just going to be wild so we don't have to and still even within that being like but I'm scared and I need I need someone to be here with me. Things don't look like they sh they have before even in that line that they say right like don't be scared when things don't don't be surprised when things aren't what they seem. Um even in like haha joking but it's a joking way is like, hey, it's going to change up. But there's still the fear in that and the fear in being alone, even when you're changing everything up. Yep. Do you have anything else to say before the last verse? Because I got the last verse written. I liked that uh, the first t bars of the guitar break right here. Do you have a timestamp? Nope. <laughs> okay. Well, last verse of the song is I've known it. For, uh, I've known it from the start. All these good ideas will tear your brain apart. Scared, but you can follow me. I'm too weird to live, but much too rare to die. I like that last verse. I don't, I like that last line, but uh, just because it's kind of, I don't know, it's well written, but yeah, it's well written. I don't have too much to say about it. Other, no, the rest of the verse, though, it's like, I'm scared. All these good ideas are tearing me apart. Yeah. You know, they're damaged now. I, uh, that last line made me think of Firefly. We're way too pretty to die. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, the, immort the immortality you feel when you're that young. Yeah, that's kind of like yeah, in a way that's, that's what this song is. Yeah, mm -hmm. but then like slowly, like some of these guys are realizing, like, oh man, this isn't gonna last forever. Mm -mm. Um, I'm a little scared. Yeah, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? One second, while I look at this the the song to see where I wanted this. So Jess wants to hear the guitar solo. <laughs> I knew where it was. I just didn't know the time. And after that, 
of the bass. I was like, oh, it's it's fine. Yeah, but so it's, that first those first few bars, it's good. Yeah. So as Sinister Gates plays us out, uh, Backcountry reached number two on the Billboard Hot Mainstream Rock Tracks, number six on the Billboard Modern Rock Tracks, and number one on MTV's Total Request Live. Yep. Which is like, I think they were talking about it's like. A song that's almost five, like an over five minute long song on TRL. Yeah. A straight heavy metal track that's unheard of in this time. Yeah, it, it is. It's very weird. So. But good. Yeah, good job. Like they, I think they were the biggest metal band in the world for a little while. Mm. That's Backcountry. Yeah. All right. She's switching gears a little bit. Uh, this is a song. This is the last minute edition for me. Uh, I, I, I wanted to talk about this song because... I don't. I don't even want to say why. It, it'll reveal itself in time. But uh, that song is called "Betrayed." What are your thoughts on Betrayed? Mm, I thought it was okay. It's an okay song. I, this is not my favorite song on the album. I really don't. I, I wasn't even going to pick it, but circumstances changed. <laughs> I, I never knew what this song was about. Mm-hmm. I always thought, you know, because the chorus says like, in my dreams, it's me and you. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was some kind of twisted love song. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I reveal what the song's about, do you have any thoughts on or like what did you think the song was about uh i thought i did not have enough consciousness to <laughs> deal with this song i was pretty sleepy uh the things that i i felt because i was like there's something happening here and i can't figure out what it is because the whole song is in one in the first person i point of view except for one verse which shifts uh point of view and I was like, what is, what is, this feels important, but I couldn't, <laughs> I, I was like, I have to turn off the music to sit here and like figure out what this is. And I was like, I can't turn off the music. Rodney gets mad when I don't listen to the music. <laughs> I was like, this is going too fast. Something is happening. And I, I do what is happening? What is happening? Now, I admit this song's really sloppy in what it's actually about. Okay. Was, I'm also a little like unclear on how things connect. Okay. But once I realized why it was because it was written by M. Shadows, the, the singer, mm-hmm. and I now I know why he wrote it. I can kind of piece some of the things together, not completely. Mm-hmm. This song was inspired by the death of Damage Plant and former Pantera guitarist Dimebag Daryl Abbott. Mm. Dimebag Daryl, uh, one of the most beloved metal guitarists of all time. Okay. Uh, Dimebag along with three others, was shot and killed at the Al Rosa Villa nightclub in Columbus, Ohio on December 8th, 2004. Hmm. So it was like this big tragedy in the metal world. So it happened just before they recorded this album. This mm-hmm. is a tribute to Dimebag Daryl. Okay. The song is reportedly, according to MTV, written from the points of view of an innocent bystander who witnessed the attack, mm-hmm. shadows himself, mm-hmm. Dimebag himself, I believe, mm-hmm. and Dimebag's assassin. Okay. So the different verses might be different speakers speaking on the tragedy. Okay. I cannot, for the life of me, 
put some of those things together. But that is what MTV said. And I've got a quote from Shadows. Quote, the music changes to complement the feelings of each of the voices in the song. It was my way of dealing with the whole thing after it happened. I never got to meet Dimebag, but he and Slash are my two greatest guitar heroes. And I think this is the second verse, but it made me like, I, I, I saw how this connected to the tragedy. But a smoking gun in hand. Now, don't you realize what you've done? Put a bullet in his back. Your hero since you were so young. How could you kill the man who brought salvation through your pain? He must mean everything to end it all this shameful way. A smoking gun in hand. Now don't you realize what you've done? Put a bullet in his back. Your hero since you were so young. So whoever this speaker is, is talking to the murderer. Yes. Because uh, the guy who did it was a fan of Pantera. Mm. And people have been trying to like determine his motive forever. But some people think he killed Dimebag because Pantera broke up. And da uh, Dimebag and his brother started Damage Plan. Mm. Uh, because they didn't get along with the singer of Pantera. And people think maybe... This perpetrator felt resentful hmm. for the how that all went down, and he blamed Dimebag. Sorry, I, it's making me think about the Lindsay Ellis video about um, Yoko Ono, and yeah, it, it, yeah, it made me think of. The, so Lindsay Ellis, who's a video essayist, we she, love her, <laughs> and an author. She released a video recently about the death of John Lennon mm -hmm. and how a crazed fan just shot him on the street, and then the lie that came out of that that is all anyone knows including me so in, in a way like the death of dimebag daryl was you know pretty like it was just as shocking mm -hmm. as the death of john lennon but yeah. in the metal community yeah that makes sense and i think that's why they recorded that that pantera cover mm -hmm. of walk because mm. it was their tribute to pantera yeah. and dimebag that makes sense uh i would say that that because that was the one the verse that you read is the only one that has the the you, the, the accusatory you, everything else is in I. Uh, so I would probably lay this at Shadow's feet. Yeah. As a, like, this would, in my brain, as a writer, would be like, I am a fellow fan. How could you? Kind of thing. Yeah. That's kind of what the whole song is, mm -hmm. in a way. Uh, I, another verse I highlighted. I feel it burn inside, burn in me like the rising sun. Lifted into the sky, took away the only thing I loved. I thought after tonight, all your power crumbles in my arms. So don't worry, I'll be fine. When my life ends, I'll leave this scar. I feel it burn inside, burning me like the rising sun. Lifted into the sky, took away the only thing I love. I know after tonight. All your power crumbles in my arms. So don't worry, I'll be fine. When my life ends, I'll leave this sky. 
I think that's the murderer. The perp. That could be. Yeah. yeah. Like. I think the first verse is Dimebag. What's what verse is that? Uh, passion in my eyes as I lived it every day. How could you throw it all away in my dreams? It's me and you. It there I saw it all come true as time went by. My faith in you grew. Maybe not. <laughs> so, that, that could also be the perpetrator. Yeah, that could also it's be sort, the perpetrator. Because like it, it's like this weird. It, this is not the only song that tries to get in the head mm-hmm. of Dimebag's murderer. Okay. Uh, there have been s- countless tributes to Dimebag Dare all over the years. Okay. Uh, but by other bands. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so like them trying to like, how could you do this to someone you loved? Mm-hmm. You know, like so like the thought that Dimebag took away the one thing I loved, which was Pantera. Mm-hmm. You broke it up, you monster. I'm gonna get you. I don't know. It's, it's okay, no, that makes sense. How how old was Dimebag when he started in Pantera? Because he he might be the verse that I started here so young and helped you get along. Just did it for the love and people healed through us. Don't live your life in vain. Don't take it out on me. You're cracked, so just remember, I'm not your enemy. I don't deserve to fall this way by a man who felt betrayed. Yep, that one's Dimebag. Timepeg was 15 when he formed Pantera. Yep. 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 That versus Dimebag. (laughs) Now I'm doing... Here's the thing. I'm not a sleuth. I don't like mysteries, but if you put it in text, I will find it. (laughs) Yeah, he was only 38 when he died. How horrible. That, yeah. How horrible. Trigger (laughs) point. Sorry, kids. This is a bummer episode. Well... That's what happens when you get in the metal. Well, this is not wrong. Uh, I can see like this. It makes it make more sense. I'm still, I think, li- it, listening to it. Not, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of it musically. I'm not a fan of it uh, in general. I think as a tribute, it's something. It's interesting. Uh, I got a verse here. I felt so down. Now you're around to rescue me. Every note and every word I'm listening. Yeah. Sometimes problems seem too deep to take. Sometimes I cry when thinking my future looks so bleak. Finally, together we are destined. I know that what's best for us in the end. Someone hear me. Someone stop me. Someone listen. Why aren't you listening? I think that's also the perpetrator. Yeah. I, I don't think there's only one verse to, to right, people. Right. I think the one that's hard to see, for me to pin down is like the witness. Yeah. I don't even like maybe the like, how could you do that? The, the you uh, verse. 
you know, you put a bullet in his back. Mm-hmm. Like someone saw it happen. So you, okay. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. It but, would either be, but I, I did think that that was um, shadows, but something else but, could be shadows. Well, either way, like that, the the verse about like, what, hey, someone hear me, so, someone listen. Yeah. You know, I feel like that's, I think the song trying to psychoanalyze the killer, right? Mm-hmm. It's like trying to justify in some little way why someone could do this. You know, it's like this guy was lost and no, he had no one and, you know, he felt uh, alienated. But the music spoke to him, and now that's gone, you know? Yeah. Like, there's weird desperation. and Yeah. Because I think that in some ways, it's like when your heroes pass away in such a you know tragedy, like, you got to, like, find some kind of justification. Mm-hmm. And this guy's twisted brain. Yeah. Is that it? I think that's <laughs> it. I think that's it. That's sad. Um, rest in peace, Dimebag. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Last song we're going to get into. Uh, I wanted this one specifically because I like the vibe. Okay. (laughs) And that song is Strength of the World. watching firefly again (laughs) (laughs) can we why what's the vibe what's this vibe western in space this is one of the first times when i i think like oh avenge sevenfold they were they wanted to do more than just straight heavy metal like Mm -hmm. they wanted to genre bend and and bring in stuff and i think that's i remember like listening to this album like at school in high school i'm like walking from health class to the parking lot or something. It's always health class. Yeah. You know, they walk. <laughs> this is like the end of the end of the day, you mm-hmm. know, school's over. Like we're walking uh, past the pools and the tennis courts to get to the parking lot. Um, <laughs> Rich school. And I'm like listening to this song. <laughs> like, Oh man, this is like a freaking Western. This is great. <laughs> uh, and th- they have other songs that are very, f- they feel like Danny Elfman score. You know, they feel like uh, they have songs that almost like have, they have like a, I didn't choose this one, but they got like a children's choir, you know, mm-hmm. and they'll be, they'll be doing this stuff, you know, f- forever, you know, right. kind of doing their own thing. Like the follow-up album, they're self-titled has a full on like show tune, mm-hmm. you know, like almost like a, a musical number. Hmm. It feels like, um, it's like a heavy metal, like, uh, Sweeney Todd's type song, <laughs> which I'm sure really, really played to the hot topic crowd. But yeah. Yeah. No, it, the, they were doing they they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. So I was like, you know me, I love progressive metal, and they Thank are you. they are veering into the, the progressive here <laughs> with this. He- Follow he- them along. This is heavy metal western song. It is nine minutes long. It is, and it's nine minutes long. It's the longest song in the album. You are you surprised? I am surprised how much you hate your wife. But hey, let's listen to the metal drop, and then we'll talk about the, the lyrics.
Metal Pro. Metal Bro. What do you think about the lyrics of the song? Um. It reminded me of a book I read when I was a kid. What book is that? Can't remember, but it was a romance novel. Oh. Why does it remind you of that? <laughs> uh, Because somebody is out for revenge. It's a revenge song. <laughs> it's a heavy metal Western revenge song. Exactly what it is. Side note, did you use the opening of this uh, to that video you shot when you were in high school where you were doing... Um... No, but I've always thought this the opening of this song would be a great, like western standoff song you know because um i don't think i'd seen the good and the bad and the ugly at this point but mm-hmm. in high school i remember using the the ecstasy of gold uh, <laughs> like song that's in the good and the bad and the ugly mm-hmm. during the big western standoff in the in the graveyard right um, i used i did use that for a like western standoff <laughs> style video at some point so like i i was i was already like picturing this mm-hmm. song being used in a western yeah <laughs> And, uh, right. you know, I, I, heavy metal Westerns are, or sorry, heavy, they're, they're not as old as time, but the, the Western revenge song oh, yeah. is, uh, is as old as time. Mm-hmm. So it, it, the story is, a uh, a man has outlaws killed his family. So he's out for revenge. Yep. Hell or high water. And both. And, uh, <laughs> you know, salvation be damned. Yeah. I'm going to. Go down this, you know, I'm going to get revenge for myself. And if I go to hell for it, so be it. Yeah. That's the song. That's that's the song. Who is she? She can't be found. I like that it starts off. My story starts the day they said she can't be found. I think that's a a solid. Like like bandits kidnapped his wife. You know, he's like, oh, man, where's my wife? She's kidnapped. I thought kissing Kate Barlow killed his family. I assume maybe, you know, maybe it's like, oh, like, or my daughter went missing. Mm -hmm. Like, what's going on? And then you discover that they've all been killed. So everybody's been killed except the she. And well, no, the she's been killed. And like, oh, she hasn't been around. Where's she been? You Uh know, and like, oh, my God, you haven't seen her. Mm. You know, maybe this guy's like a cattle rustler. You know, he he just got back from a drive. Mm -hmm. And it's like, hey, where's my wife? Oh, we haven't seen her. Like, what? (laughs) And then he finds her in the barn and they're dead. I don't know. Oh, no. That's not what I imagined. The news so dark, heart stopped. Stood silent without a sound. It's over. She's finished. Mother lies with your father and sister, too. Oh, yeah. Mother's dead. Yeah. Mother and father and sister, too. Cold-blooded. They suffered. Shot down by the outlaws after you. Sorrow swallows my screams. Oh, the outlaws after you. So, like, they they committed revenge as well or, or something. Like, he, he wronged the outlaws and did something. This is Red Dead Redemption. Yes. Not the, fir- not the second one. They're coming after whatever his name is. It's the, the, the cycle of violence, you know? Violence mm-hmm. beget violence. Right. This is Last of Us 2. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Uh, all video games I've never seen, I've never played. And Every only seen revenge you story is kind of the same. They've all got this the is, same theme. It's like the, the futility of revenge. Yes. 
I'm currently watching a drama. Metal Gear Salt, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance has the same. Revengeance. That would have been a great title for the song. Revengeance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, the song's pretty straightforward. I th- Lyrically, I think that it's um, about going out and, and seeking revenge for what has been done to your loved ones, not caring what it means for your own life yeah, or aven- soul or whatever. Avenged sevenfold the dead <laughs> killed all who crossed me in my path suicidal i've never planned on coming back Yeah. You know, so it's like this idea that this revenge ends with my story ending as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I Though I did have a question as to why it was strength of the world on my shoulders and not weight of the world. Like, what is the difference? I don't know. Do you think? Strength of the world. I mean, it's like, I, I think like there's like, maybe there's like this idea of worldliness versus godliness, you know? And like, when I think of like old Western town, like I think of like, you know, like there's this religious sensibility Mm-hmm. In in the people, you know, mm-hmm. so this like good godly man gave that up to get revenge mm. because circumstances pushed him too far, you know. So it's like world, yeah. Oh, oh, and oh, like I have to, you know, push. You know, I have to. Uh, I need the strength of the world, not strength of God, to do this because okay. God's not going to aid me in this quest. Mm-hmm. If God, this would... is not a righteous quest. Yeah, it is a worldly one. If God cared about this, this wouldn't have happened kind of thought process Maybe, or or it's like i i know god tells me i need to turn the other cheek but he, i don't care he does in fact say that at some point in this lyric he says i'm not turning my cheek yeah right here uh sitting in silence with heaven above me i pray every night by their graves i while i search for the closure i feel it no longer i can't turn my tre- cheek away sitting in silence with So he fought. He 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 tried to use the strength of God to get him through this horrible pain of the loss of his family, but he can't do it anymore. I can't pray at their graves anymore. I need the strength of the world to kill these men. Mm-hmm. It'll it's the only way to get closure. Yep. Next, but we is, know that's futile. I stand before you. I'll sin when I have to, but now I leave your side to avenge my family's pride. So yeah. I, I agree. This, I, like the again, right when I was talking, it was like, yeah, they mentioned kind of like some God stuff occasionally, but then always like out of hand, dismiss it. And uh, with the character of this piece, like that makes sense. And I think it's built up very well. Because at first, when you were like, he was a godly man, I was like, I don't know if I really see that. Uh, but then down here, it does. It's like, okay, you prayed, you did these things, and it was not working, so you toss it aside. Uh, and so that makes sense as to why it's strength of the world rather than the weight uh, and sh- 
strength of the world rather than the strength of God. I think that's pretty interesting. I want it. I need it. Revenge is dripping from my teeth. Need nothing to feel power and bring the killers to their knees. Sometimes you just got to do a little murder. He's so desperate for the final day. Yeah. <laughs> it, it does remind me of Last of Us 2. You know, like revenge is the only thing pushing you forward at this point. You're, even your loved ones, the ones you have left, are like, this has gone too far. You need to give up on this. And yeah, it's, it's like, too no. much. Stop. Like, no, if you're not going to help me, then I don't need you. Um, yeah, it's sad. You do a great uh, AMV with this song and, and The Last of Us 2, <laughs> even at the end of the song. So far forever now alone, a greater punishment on me has been imposed. A killer falling from the light. I miss my family. I'll never be all right. But it's like, I'm assuming that happens after he's got revenge. He killed the he killed the killers, but mm-hmm. it didn't it didn't bring him closure. Yeah. Or solace. It's just, I'm a greater punishment on me has been imposed. Mm-hmm. You know, I've fallen from grace. I've you know I've 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 given in to sin. Yeah. In my own impulses, and uh, God has forsaken me, and uh, now I've, I'm all alone. I miss my family, and. I got nothing left. Yeah, I think even it's alluded to that it wasn't it wasn't just like, oh, I've killed the people who've killed my family. I killed anyone who stood in my way. So there are people who had nothing to do with it that were innocent that were just like, yo, maybe you can't go around murdering. Well, psh, okay. and now and now they're gonna come after you. Yeah, and their the, own so, the cycle of violence will continue. Continues forever and it's ever. But it's like kill Bill. Yeah. You know? But I, I think that like with this, the 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 I feel like this character once they do what they have set out to do. It does say su- suicidal. I never planned on coming back. I don't think they would make it afterwards. And that reminds me of a uh, man out of nowhere. <laughs> the man from nowhere. The man from nowhere. I just see where I'm like, yeah, that would have ended real bad. <laughs> so uh, the song it's, it's, it's just a story song. Yeah. You know, it's like an action movie as a song, mm-hmm. uh, but I like the vibe. Yeah. So, Heavy metal western to finish things off for us. Heck yeah. <laughs> Do you recommend City of Evil? No. You don't? I mean, yeah. If you're already, if you're a fan of this genre, then yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. I, it was fine, but I wouldn't recommend it. Not like, not like I wouldn't not recommend it. If someone's like, oh, I'm going to listen to this Vince Shedevantold, I, I wouldn't be like, no. But it's like not going to be one of the things I say, right? Like, Well, so- I well, I recommend it. Yeah. Right? I think it's one of the stronger metal albums from this era. Uh, they're doing more interesting things. Mm-hmm. It's I, Honestly, it's like more radio friendly and listenable. Than that's like, true. You know, it's like it, it's it's kind of funny, like coming from me. Like, I t- but that's the thing. Avenged Sevenfold is kind of like playing both sides Mm -hmm. they have the radio friendly sound you know we're like back country Mm -hmm. but then they're doing off the wall weird things like strength of the world with you know with country western sounds yeah and whatever so i I don't know i just it's more interesting and engaging to me than kill switch engaged at the time or papa roach 
I get it. I don't disagree. I definitely don't disagree. This is just maybe it's uh, too metal for me. Okay. Yeah. But so that's that's just a me thing. It's not bad. Fair enough. What did the world think of City of Evil? They thought that it was too heavy and that Rod only chose the songs that hurt. City of Evil debuted at number 30 on the Billboard 200, selling 30,000 in its debut month, which is like very modest. That's Mm -hmm. not a lot. As mentioned earlier, sales were slow until the release of Backcountry, which helped make it Avenged Sevenfold's highest selling album ever. The album has been certified platinum in the United States and gold in Canada and the United Kingdom, selling over 1.5 million copies in the U.S. and 2.5 million worldwide. Hmm. City of Evil was positively reviewed by music critics. All Music, for example, said, quote, Avenged Sevenfold gets all the pieces right and sound like they're having more fun here than in the scattershot approach of the first couple records. Yeah. And they were. They were indeed. And Metal Hammer said, quote, they have done it their way. They're having fun. And who the hell can blame them? <laughs> Thanks to City of Evil, Avenged Sevenfold won Best New Artist at the MTV Video Music Awards. Beating out such names as Angels and Airwaves, Mm. Panic at the Disco, (gasps) James Blunt, Chris Brown, and Rihanna. And they won Best International Band at the Golden Gods Awards. Okay. They beat Rihanna as the best new artist. That makes sense, though. In the year of Umbrella. In the year of Umbrella. (laughs) They reigned on her parade. And where did Avenged Sevenfold go from here? Is this the sad? Got some sads. And also, I this, this is all of Avenged Sevenfold uh, at this point, because uh, we don't think we'll be returning to them, even though they will be showing up on Runners Up. Yeah. They've got some good albums out there, but... But they won't be on the main show. We'll see. We'll see. we'll see. Okay. Avenged Sevenfold followed up City of Evil with their self-titled album in 2008 to strong sales and mixed reception, even though I think that album rocks. Mm-hmm. It's got the it's got a, a little piece of heaven, which is like their greatest song. <laughs> they also released the All Excess DVD, which reportedly sold eleven thousand copies in its first week to become the number one DVD in the U.S. Oh, that's pretty cool. That week, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bummer time. Mm. On December twenty eighth, two thousand nine, drummer James the Rev Sullivan was found dead at his home. He was twenty eight years old. Ugh. Yep. I remember the day it happened. That was a bummer. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, yeah that was a, that was a shock. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and like he was like they they were just about to re- release a new album or record a new album. Mm. Yeah, just about to record. He he wrote he wrote his last song like three days before he died. Mm. Yeah, heart attack, overdose. Uh, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think maybe that was like a, a wake up call for the the wild living mm-hmm. for them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hope I hope they were all be decided to be safer. You know, I hope so. But yeah, that, that a, was that was a real a sucky shock. lesson to learn. Yeah, big, big, very big tragedy because like yeah. I, I think the world would be better with the Rev still around. Yeah, you know, just in general, he seemed like a very nice, cool person, very yeah. smart, uh, talented guy. So, real sad. It is. It's a terrible way to have something pushed on you. Yeah. Despite very real considerations of disbanding, Avenged Sevenfold carried on, announcing in February 2010 that they'd entered the studio to record the new album alongside Dream Theater drummer Mike Portnoy. Oh. Which was such a weird, like, connection. That you know? is weird. Because they were so, like, I never really thought of them as, like, in the same sphere. Yeah. But apparently, 
Mike Portnoy is an early champion of Avenged Sevenfold. He huh. heard Bat Country on the radio and like he tweeted about it. Maybe not even tweeted, but tweeted put it on. He did in, in on, 2009. Or 2005. Five, sorry. You know, he put on his message board. Yeah. This, this is the greatest thing. <laughs> you know, so he he was a fan of the band mm-hmm. and wanted to help him out. He needed a new gig. <laughs> we can talk about that later. What? Um, yeah. I mean, maybe this was also their push towards uh, more, more progressive, progressive stuff. Yeah. The album Nightmare, released later that year, debuting at number one on the Billboard 200. Event Sevenfold with Mike Portnoy also performed together at a handful of overseas shows throughout 2010 before Portnoy departed for other projects. Mm. This year also marked the beginning of a years-long association with the Call of Duty Black Ops video game series. <laughs> Event Sevenfold has released a single for every Call of Duty Black Ops game. Oh, wow. There have been four. Okay. Yep. Hey money <laughs> uh, i don't like those black ops games but the songs, those are, songs good. are good <laughs> in 2011 the band announced aaron illajay formerly of the metalcore band confide as their new session slash touring drummer okay no stage name oh yeah he didn't get one neither did mike portnoy they they weren't there for the long haul in 2013 avenge sevenfold officially added illajay to the group as their first permanent drummer since the revs passing three years earlier mm. And they released the album Hail to the King, which would again debut at number one. All right. Illa J left the band in 2015, citing creative differences. And Brooks Wackerman, <laughs> known for his work with infectious grooves, suicidal tendencies, bad religion, and tenacious D, took the drummer seat. Again, no stage name. Mm. Wackerman. Wackerman. Later that year, the band released The Stage a concept album that marked a full shift towards progressive metal. Oh. So I, I, I I've listened to it. It's, it's good. Mm-hmm. I think like it is totally progressive metal album. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, like, I think it's good. Like the last track on that album is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like super, it's like basically a metal heavy metal epic. So, you know, I love those. So right, 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 yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's good. And I like that. They're just like, yeah, we're just a metal band. We're just, we're just doing prog rock now. We're just a prog metal band now. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. We're dream theater now. Okay, <laughs> cool. Sounds good to me. The album debuted at number four, received good reviews and earned the band its first and so far only Grammy nomination. Hey, it's pretty good. Finally, Avenged Sevenfold released their latest album, Life is But a Dream, in 2023 oh. to rave critical reviews with several outlets naming it among the best rock slash metal albums of the year. And I did listen to that in preparation for this episode, and it's amazing. <laughs> like, it's, it's so good. We we might actually hear about them again whenever we get to 2023 episode. I don't know what other 2023 albums I've listened to well, last year now. It's now 2024. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that I'm out. That album's really good. <laughs> so that's Avenged Sevenfold. That's City of Evil. We're done. We're done. And we're not, d- but we're not done with the show yet. No, we're done. We're gonna take a break, and we'll be back after that with Jess's album of two thousand five. I'm gonna go eat breakfast.
be right back. Aclamados por la crítica, Avenged Sevenfold, la nueva sangre del Hard Rock. Avenged Sevenfold, toda la furia de estos chicos malos de California que llega a Chile para llenar tu cabeza de emociones. Avenged Sevenfold y todo su poder en vivo en un espectacular concierto. 27 de mayo, Teatro Caupolicán, Avenged Sevenfold. Venta de entrada sistema Ticketmaster. Produce Time for Fun y The Knife. You said you weren't going to open with it. You specifically told me you weren't going to open with it. I was always going to open it with it. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> already. It's this the, the worst. You're the worst. Right. There's nothing wrong with this. We met, As a matter of fact, we use for, photograph song as a term in this house. It's a photograph song. It's <laughs> coming in. I mean, if you don't know who that is, then, you know, shame then on you. Then you might be Mike Perchuccio. What? Wait, wait. Then you might be Dream Theater drummer Mike Portnoy. That's the <laughs> one. <laughs> but literally, like, if, if everyone's heard Nickelback. It's it's Nickelback, uh, and it's just his album, 2005. Hey, where are my backies at? <laughs> I wonder if Nickelback fans have a fan name. I feel like that really isn't a thing. I don't know, but uh, released October 4th, 2005, the fifth and best-selling album of this Canadian rock band. Yeah. All the Right Reasons. By Nickelback. Yeah. Ah, Put in a pause sound. Tell me why? Why? <laughs> why? Why are we doing this again? <laughs> I like Nickelback. I will say I like Nickelback's earlier stuff. This is probably the last album. No, I bought the one after this, but this is the last album that um, I really like listen to. Uh, and I, it's it's. Yeah, you know, it's their best album, best selling album and for a reason. And um, obviously, I'm one of those marks that are like, yeah, I love it. You're a mark. You shut up. You have a, you have any stories on on this album, picking it up, listening to it? Um, I don't remember when I picked it up, but I remember I cried to some of the songs because they were so good. For real? Mm-hmm. Oh. Hey. Hey, you. Was it this one? Were you crying about no. his, his, his photographs? No. I was way too young to look back and miss anything. What was I? I was freaking in the, the like 12th grade. That's not the grade I was in. I was in, I was probably 12 is what I meant. It's like in the 7th or 8th grade. So, you no, know. No, not, not in this song. 2005. Oh, You're in high school. I'm in high school. Look. You're like a sophomore. Even though we talked about this a month ago, I don't remember. <laughs> uh, I... I feel like I've we, we kind of discussed our histories with Nickelback mm. in our 2001 movie, uh, music episode. I, uh, I I remember hearing, like, honestly, I, I don't remember hearing this song on the radio. I oh, I heard really? this song in the uh, those like compilation c- CD commercials. You know, don't buzz you say ballads. There you go. Yeah, mm. everyone loves buzz ballads. I I don't think everyone loves them. I think you love them. No. I think that if they reached out to us for a sponsorship. You would have you would have no choice. They're not in business anymore. You would have no choice. So like, hey, we're bringing the bus back, buddy. All the best alt rock power ballads. 
it's Billie Eilish. <laughs> you know, but and then Nickelback became a joke, and and like this song is a meme. Yeah, Chad but, Kroger's a meme. Him holding his photograph up to yeah. the camera. But there's so many people. I'm like Drake's a meme. Like, yeah, yeah, well, he is a meme. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm naming only Canadian artists right now. <laughs> <laughs> Canadians make the best memes. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm like, I think being able to have that much recognition on your name and on your face on your thing, there's, you know, all news is good news, even bad news is what people say. I don't think bad news is good news. Thanks. But I tell you, you know. well, like Nickelback's kind of just been on our radar lately. Um, I, I, we discovered a new, uh, not a new, we, we newly discovered a web series on YouTube called Why Does This Song Stink? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the host of that show recently did a little episode on uh, Nick, one of Nickelback's new songs. San Quentin? San Quentin. Mm-hmm. The song about how uh, Chad Kroger doesn't want to go to jail. Well. You know. Who among us? As if that was a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> well. But uh, the, the joke is the music video for that song uh, depicts a bunch of high school, te- uh, in a high school, uh, uh, college-aged young people very excited to see a new Nickelback <laughs> song perform live. Yeah. And when the host verified that like he actually went to a local college and asked college students of today if Nickelback put on a free show would you go and almost unanimously they said absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know you guys suck you suck you guys are just ragging on them but I mean honestly they're demographic is my age right because I grew up on them there are definitely people that are younger that like it like in the same way you like Pink Floyd and stuff like that. They're and they are many, many years, decades above your time. There are definitely like younger people who like Nickelback. It's not. It's the it's the same demographic of when we were teenagers. It's Mm -hmm. the people who would like the moms who would follow you two around in the two thousands. That's the crowd who likes Nickelback. Yeah, moms. Well, I'm not a mom. Well, actually, kids, we're gonna make an announcement at the end of this. Absolutely, stop that. (laughs) You stop that right now. Um, shall I talk about all the right reasons and how it was made? Yeah. Talk about all the right things. I don't that actually, happened. not a lot of background, not a lot no. because we, I mean, we, we cover, we laid the groundwork in 2001. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of just how this album was made. Side know. note. Did you just read back over your notes from 2001 or did you go back and listen to it? Just oh no. That? Yeah. I, was like, I, don't, I didn't listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> As we talked about in our 2001 music podcast, Canadian rock band Nickelback broke big with their album Silver Side Up and the number one hit single, How You Remind Me. How does that one go? This is how you remind me how I really am. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) The band followed up that success with the album The Long Road, which sold 2 million copies worldwide in 2003 alone and would go on to be certified triple platinum. So it's just like a hit after hit after hit. Yeah. They found the winning formula, you know. They did. (laughs) You know, uh, a true artist, maybe they wouldn't try to like just iterate on the formula over and over again, but you know these guys they want to cash that money in. Your definition of true artist <laughs> is small. Following the tour supporting that release, longtime drummer Ryan Vicadal was fired, reportedly because quote his heart was no longer in their music. Mm. And then he was subsequently sued by frontman Chad Kroger, who sought to prevent Vicadal from receiving royalties. <laughs> On the songs written while he was in the band. The matter was settled out of court. 
Mm. And uh, that entire incident had me lose way a, a lot of respect for Chad Kroger. Mm-hmm. Like, what a scumbag move. Yeah, that is kind of scummy. Is Besides the heart not being in the music, was there... Was no, there that man's other... owed royalties. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But I mean, like, was there some other, like, egregious thing that happened that made him go, like, no, you can't have any part of this because of what you've done? I, I didn't see anything. I saw some, like, news reports from, like, MTV at the time hmm. uh, describing the situation. But uh, just he was fired and then he got sued. Uh, how's, how's, how's Ryan doing now? Don't know. But he was replaced by former Three Doors Down drummer Daniel Adair, Adder, mm-hmm. and the band promptly entered the studio in January 2005 to record their next album, titled All the Right Reasons. All the Right Reasons. <laughs> so, you know, they found another post-grunge guy to fill in the ranks, mm. and uh, that guy's still there, apparently. Oh. You know, apparently, he had to take, he, he, apparently, he couldn't do a show in 2021, so they... They reached out to Dream Theater drummer Mike Portnoy to fill in for a show. How weird. We just learned that. <laughs> Remember we said Nickelback's just been on the radar? Yeah. <laughs> There's a YouTube channel uh, that it's like a drum show. Or it's something. Drumio. Drumio, where they get uh, high-profile drummers from around the world. Uh, sometimes they bring them into the studio and they play for them popular music tracks without the drum part and ask the drummer to fill it you know guess what the drum would what would be yeah uh and when we say popular not pop music uh though occasionally there is that it's it's like um a 12 year old girl figuring out what the drums in a twisted sister song sounds like or asking a drum like a jazz drummer you know like a like a a jazz drumming professor to fill in the drum parts for a Nirvana song. Yeah. Oh, and they did like a Mr. Brightside one. The thing that's really cool is like they make sure the artist has never heard the song before and then play without drums. So it's their own fills and everything. And so it's really, really cool. The Brightside one is really good. So Mike Portnoy of Dream Theater, my favorite band, was brought in and they played for him a Nickelback song. My favorite band. I mean, they're not, but. (laughs) That he'd never heard before and then told the story of how he almost performed with Nickelback (laughs) on a couple of shows a few years ago. Yeah. Which is like the strangest, weird connection I've ever seen. Yeah. We we said we can make a game called Six Degrees of Mike Portnoy. (laughs) Yeah. Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence. Yeah. There you go. The man is everywhere. Yeah. But that's all I got for all the right reasons. You know? <laughs> that's why we were riffing a little bit. Yeah. It was like, oh, fill half in, of that was Mike. Yeah. Fill in time because we've done all this. We've it's done Nickelback. All this. You know what Nickelback is. You know what it means to get a Nickelback. <laughs> Let's go. Well, we could listen to some songs. Okay. You you picked four songs. I did pick, in fact, four and songs. You, you, you sent me this song and I'm holding you to it, even though you tried to back out of it. What is that song? Rockstar. I'm through with standing in line. The clubs will never get in. It's like the bottom of the ninth, and I'm never gonna win this. Life hasn't turned out quite the way I want it to be. Tell me what you want. I want a brand new house on an episode. This, I, I guarantee you, this song is why country music is in the state it's in. <laughs> All these modern country stars like heard this Nickelback song and were like, "Yo, country could just be that." Well, okay, this add was an, many add in years a little ago. like you know like slide guitar you know sound, uh, and and you you've got a you've got a 
top you got ten a country hit. hit. As long as you just do what Nickelback did. The, I, I looked it up. Wikipedia classifies this as a like alternative country song. That makes sense. That makes sense. It's the twang. We've had many discussions many years ago about like country music is just a song with a fake accent. It kind of is now. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it, it could be anything now. Like it's just like pop music with a fake accent and like a you know a slide guitar sound. I mean, yeah, yeah. which is fine. I mean, I like it. Uh, obviously, it's kind of my jam. What was that like? lame like it was almost like a country rap song where a guy like did a little dance what was that song remember that one country rap song where a guy did a little dance made a little love got down tonight it's like feeling fancy is that what it's called you going to applebee's oh oh uh, that was also on um why uh, this song why stinks. The, the song stinks i can't remember i think the song's called fancy like it it might be fancy like applebee's I th- it might be. I don't know. I was like, mm, I don't like it. <laughs> yes, Fancy Like by Walker Hayes. Uh, uh, it's on his album, Country Stuff, the album. Hey, hey, stop promoing other albums on my Nickelback episode. But it's country country rap. Okay. <laughs> you want real country rap, like, I, I, I don't know. A rapper <laughs> Old from Town Texas. Road, you know? Wow. Wow. Okay. This is, I mean, we're getting a lot of weird, like, country and rap crossover these days, too. <laughs> but Fancy Likes garbage. It I is. Mean, it is absurd. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It's not the worst song I've heard, but... You know, is the worst song I've ever heard? <laughs> Perhaps the worst lyrics I've ever read. <laughs> Rockstar by Nickelback. <laughs> these, this is horrible. This... Like, like, these are some of the dumbest lyrics I've ever read. Mm-hmm. Um, and... He tries to say, "Oh, I did it on like it's it's tongue in cheek, mm-hmm. it's ironic, uh, it's satirical." When, when when does he try to say that? In, in interviews, Got like it. they the, the I saw plenty of like I saw an interview with he did a, like a British radio show or something like BBC that. One and, and the host brought up uh, Rockstar mm-hmm. because the Brits love Rockstar. <laughs> this was their biggest hit in Britain. Wow, by the way, um, and like they were like, "Let's talk about Rockstar," and then Chad was like, "Oh, why did we do it? <laughs> oh." We're so horrible, you know, like they were almost ashamed, mm. like, but they were feigning it. You yeah. Know? It was like joking because people point Loved this it. out, but they, he, Kroger explained that this was done in jest mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm like, sure. Okay. <laughs> that doesn't excuse it. <laughs> it's horrible. It's not even clever. Well, it's barely clever. You're, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just, you know, you didn't ask me why I chose this song. Why'd you choose it? Is less egregious than most of the other words, ones on the album. I, I would agree with that too. <laughs> yeah, there, there are plenty of there are plenty of songs in the running here for worst lyrics I've ever hey. read. Hey, hey, let's just get in the song. You mean, mean man. At least I never made you watch all the Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> that had some of the worst lyrics I've ever seen. I, I won't disagree with that one. <laughs> well, I'll disagree well, with I'll, you. This. Know George Lucas has no business writing a screenplay chad kroger has no business writing a song <laughs> any song no like d- d- hire a lyricist dude like well he is when he watched it that's a lyric there's a lyric in there about he's gonna have somebody write his songs find someone better <laughs> um all like joking aside right like put, putting aside nostalgia uh yeah 
yeah, the lyrics are something. This one I don't like hate as much as the other because I do take it as very tongue in cheek. And like I played a game with it when I was like re reading over it. Um, but some of it is very much like, oh, it's interesting that this is the best album, you know, right? Like there are still things on it, right? Again, I think trying to put a nostalgia aside because with the nostalgia, I'm like, I still sing these songs. I still like them. Even though I know like lyrically, I'm like, ooh, you know, um, it could be better. Like it makes me think about, well, very better. It makes me think about like uh, when we were talking about brand new and like the like intricacies of those lyrics, <laughs> the way you close your eyes. I miss those days. <laughs> Um, and like, there's obviously a palpable difference, but bringing nostalgia back, it's great. I love it. it. You can move to it. You can sing it easy. You can get in the moods. Speaking of nostalgia, though, uh, have you ever seen the music video for this song? I feel like the answer is yes, but I can't remember. It is perhaps the most 2005 <laughs> music video you've ever seen because it's a list of like, I would say B-tier celebrities from 2005 lip-syncing the song, you know? Like, is I Paris think, Hilton in it? Yes, <laughs> I believe she is. Um, I believe uh, Snoop Dogg is in there. B-tier? Uh, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's in the up. It's like Kid Rock's in there, I think. Hmm. The cast of the, uh, what was that, Playboy Bunny show. Oh, that makes sense. He makes many references. He makes references to the Playboy Bunny. Uh, is the show, real, uh, real like life? The, the Girls Next Door or something like that. It's about, like... Hugh Hefner's Three Wives. Oh. Yeah. Nope. But they're they're in there. It's like a bunch of like reality show stars mm, from that, makes from sense. that so era. Like the real the real life. Stuff like that. Yeah, real world. world yeah, stuff like world. that, you know. Uh it is it's very like funny. <laughs> like in a way it's almost like it's almost cute how yeah. how 2005 <laughs> it is. And it's like a great cultural artifact. Huh. But uh the, yeah, the lyrics are horrible. Um <laughs> one of the uh, people who appear in the video also make appearances in the song itself mm -hmm. that that little tell me what you want mm -hmm. <laughs> that is zz tops uh, billy gibbons billy yeah billy a real rock star hey 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 Shh. <laughs> these lyrics man um i had fun with them I um <laughs> go ahead what, why? What no, no, I was like, that? I was going to read some, but... If yeah, no, no, read. I, I, I played this game. Sorry, I did say read and then I talked over you. I played this game where I like put X's and checks over things that I would want. Like, oh, if I was a rock star, yes, yeah, no, no, yes, no. But go ahead, read the lyrics. I want a brand new house yes. on an episode of Cribs. No. <laughs> By the way, a very 2005 reference there. Yes. <laughs> and a bathroom I can play baseball in. No, cleaning that would be horrific. And a king size tub. Yes. Big enough for 10 plus me. <laughs> what a horrible lyric. <laughs> 10 plus me. But I want it. I could swim in that bathtub. I'll need a credit card that's got no limit. Yes. And a big black jet with a bedroom in it. Yes. Gonna join the Mile High Club at 37,000 feet. No. <laughs> I want a brand new house on an episode of Cribs and a bathroom I can play baseball in. You don't like it? 
You don't like it? You don't think it's clever and nice? <laughs> I keep going. Hold on. I'll keep going. I want a new tour bus full of old guitars. No. My own star on Hollywood Boulevard. No. Somewhere between Cher and James Dean is fine with me. Who is between Cher and James Dean? Like, physically on the Hollywood Walk? Yes. I don't know. Like, <laughs> but, like, I think, like, spiritually, right? It's like, I want to be somewhere between, like, one of the greatest pop singers of all time, like, most successful, and one of the, like, brightest uh, prospects in Hollywood who died too young. Mm. You know, so it's almost like someone who had all the longevity, someone who had a number one single in five decades and someone who only had three films mm. and then died prematurely. Hmm. <laughs> like, I could do it. I could fit. <laughs> um, I, I, I just, I just like, it's fine. It's fine. Th these aren't, like, yeah, these aren't the worst. Like the, the James Dean line is like, I, I highlighted that one. Cause I was like, that one's better. <laughs> it, it's decent. I think, yeah, okay, like, if I sit here and I, like, knit, uh, like I pick at it, and I don't even have to nitpick if I just pick at it. It's not going to be tiny picks. I don't disagree with you. The lyrics are silly and um, not clever for the most part, but I've always kind of read it as tongue-in-cheek, right? Like, as, like, when someone, like, oh, what are you, hey, Rod, what are you going to do if this podcast makes it big? And you're like, uh, I'm going to go to every dream theater concert they have or i'm gonna you know like it just feels like one of those things like hey what would you do if you win the lottery and you just start saying stuff first it's like practical things but then you're like okay but what would you do with your like fun money so like this is silly to me right like i and that's why i like don't mind it that's why i'm like yeah yeah no yeah this one's weird though because he is a rock star i think that's the weird thing to me it's like mm. he they're they're perhaps the biggest rock band in the world right now hmm. like so it almost like rings hollow because it's like chad you are that guy what yeah. are you talking about well maybe he's singing it for his fans the fans want to be a rock i get it though right you're like this is no because i think like this made me think i i did make a note that this is a parallel to the uh rock song that avenged sevenfold song right like about yeah this is what it is to be a rocker right like a young Young, you know, rich, I'm going to die young. Care, yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I like the two kind of dynamics, not dynamics, the two dispositions, dynamic, whatever, you know, like the two perspectives on it where it's like, yeah, I'm going to like at some point in the song, um, uh, there's a lyric, the girls come easy and the drugs come cheap because uh, we'll all stay skinny because we just won't eat. And I was like, did they even do drugs? <laughs> like, Well, yeah, that's where the Nickelback joke came from. Huh? Nickelback oh, yeah. is a reference to like a dealer. Right. They knew. Like, so I'm like, I don't th like, I think they like Nickelback lived the rock and roll likes lifestyle to an extent. But, I, you know, and this comes down to a question of authenticity, which mm -hmm. I think I'm going to keep coming back to. Mm -hmm. Why? Why do I find it so difficult to consider Nickelback authentic mm -hmm. to what they're talking about? Right? right. Like they are a rock band. They tour. But some, I don't know, I, I can't accept that they, I don't know, like with Guns N' Roses, for example, it's mm -hmm. like they live this gritty, tough life. You mm -hmm. know, they saw the worst of the worst, you know, and they, they you know, they, they live the high life and the low life. Right. Like, I don't know, Nickelback, they don't seem capable mm -hmm. of, of living that. It's so strange. So you're saying that, 
I don't know. Like, I... It's not that I disagree, but I don't think you have to, right? I think there are some things, right? Like, there are some things that, like, if you're not a woman, don't write and sing a song about uh, it, problems that women have, right? Like, I get that to an extent. But, like, as a writer who writes fiction and writes about things that, like, I've never gone through personally but I can imagine and I can make real and and full and realized for my characters to be told oh yeah but your story's inauthentic because you've never traveled to a magical world and had to save it like <laughs> you know or something like that which is a little bit of reach but I've I, I write stuff that is more based like okay well it's inauthentic inauthentic because you don't have that kind of brother sister relationship uh, or you don't know, blah, blah, blah. So, like, I get what you're saying, but at some point, right, like, I I can't, like, condone the, the kind of thought process of, well, you can't write about that because you don't live that way. But I don't, it, it's, it's not even that. Like, if it was convincing, mm -hmm. there's something inherently present within their music that makes it extremely unconvincing mm -hmm. to me. And I can't even put my finger on what it is. But something about the way he sings, the way they play, the way he articulates the ideas makes me not believe him. Mm -hmm. If he said it with some other kind of conviction, I would like be willing to believe him because they are rock stars. Mm -hmm. They very likely have encountered plenty of these things, you mm -hmm. know, the high life, the the grit of touring, you know, the the drugs, the sex, the rock and roll. It's like I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure Nickelback's come across that, but I don't believe them, and I don't know why. Uh, and I want to say some of that is just it might be bias. Be might be because, yeah. and not because like it's easy for me to be like, this is a diary entry before they became rock stars. Like, oh man, what would it be? Like, wouldn't it be great? Like, this is one of those things. There are plenty of people who have songs like, "What would I say to my twenty-year-old self?" or "What did I used to think?" And like, this is very authentic to me in that sense. Like, man, I can't wait to be it. And like, the tongue in cheek of being like, "Oh, when I was young, I like wanted a bathroom I could play baseball. I wanted the Mile High Club. I wanted to do X, Y, and Z. Yada yada yada." And that's why it's tongue in cheek. It's young and it's silly. Like, because this is sometimes like what people can think. Yeah, this is what the rock star life. And yeah, to some degree, it is. But like the idea that like that's all there you know like all there is and then as it gets to other stuff it gets a little bit more the song yeah uh, it becomes more satirical yes as the song goes more on. satirical but also more like like dragging of the industry like right. oh i'm gonna get washed up and have other people do things where yeah. it's like yeah that does happen actually you know and and things like that being like oh this is like the peak of what i imagined to be and then i get into the like it's silly and it's more but like honestly this is kind of what happens in the industry and that's what i'm looking forward to you know and for me it's really easy to make that connection to be like you won you could just like oh i could like write this from somebody else's point of view that would be like what would it be like or this is really what i used to think right and that makes it authentic that makes it like yeah this is silly but i think that there's a lot of things that are like you don't like it i'm not saying you but like the collective you the royal you um don't like it because it's always like dragged it's always put upon in in the industry in the world as a whole it's like oh nickelback uh and i can sit here and be like yeah these 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 lyrics are like cliche and silly and dumb and on some of the other songs we're gonna see we're gonna look and be like oh cringy or whatever but like this isn't necessarily a bad song right like it's yes, it not is. a good song <laughs> but like it's not necessarily like 
I don't know. It, from the st- the stance is like, I don't believe, you know, it's like, okay, well, what are you trying to believe about it? Like, cause I can believe this is his younger idea of it. Right. But if you're trying to believe, oh, he's saying this as a rock star now with all of his, you know, like there are so many facets that we can pull from, from ourselves. And I'm not, you can feel how you feel, but I'm also going to like <laughs> stand on this side of it, like an uh, advocate. I've decided that instead of saying devil's advocate, I'm just going to say, I'm, I'm going to be the DA right now. Boom. So, anyway. <laughs> well, I, I was thinking about it and I was like, well, let's go back in history. What are songs like this written by rock stars about the rock star lifestyle that are tongue in cheek and making fun of mm-hmm. kind of how bad it is to be a touring musician? Mm-hmm. And one came to mind. And that song is It's a Long Way from the Top If You Want to Rock and Roll by ACDC, mm-hmm. which is a song about being a rock star, living the life, but also it's about, you know, throwing up on yourself, getting beat up at a, at a club, mm-hmm. like silly things. Mm-hmm. And it said with, like it was written by Bon Scott who is a great rock lyricist of the day. You know, there's something deeply authentic about Bon Scott's lyrics where Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, that guy, that guy lived it. You know, he's a surly Australian guy. (laughs) Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. That's different. Um, And I'm not, I'm not going to like dismiss that, but I don't think that's the only experience. I don't think that's the only way people like have thought processes on stuff, right? Like, Again, especially if it's if it's from the point of view beforehand, right? Like he's like, I'm in it and this is what it's like and this is the rock star life. Whereas like before, maybe he'd been like, oh man, when we make it big, I'm going to be out partying, drinking until I'm drunk. <laughs> That's a different I song. I drink till I'm drunk. <laughs> um, and doing a bunch of stuff, but like without the like harsh realities that he's already lived, right? Like I think this is sung from a different perspective, and I, I get it, right? Like, yeah, there are songs that do it better, but I don't think this does it horribly. Well, you did bring up the lyric, we'll all stay skinny because we just won't eat. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's like a, a little bit of a little bit of satire. You mm-hmm. know, it's like I appreciate it. There are other layers to the song. Yeah. Uh, there's the, the, the verse. I'm going to sing those songs that offend the censors. Going to pop my pills from a pest dispenser. I'll get washed up singers writing all of my songs, which is, you know, a jab at the modern music industry. Yeah. Lip sync, lip sync them every night so I don't get them wrong. They're like it's playful for the most part, but there are definitely the parts where it's like, eh, <laughs> maybe not. And like, there's several lines that are about like Playboy bunnies, Playboy Play Mansion. Yeah, read that one. Get the front door key to the Playboy Mansion. Gonna date a centerfold that loves to blow my money for me. Um, there's another one somewhere. Yeah, he mentions Playboy bunnies like twice. Yeah. And we'll hang out in the coolest bars in the VIP with the movie stars. Every good gold digger is going to wind up there. Every playboy bunny with their bleach, bleach blonde hair. Because we all just want to be big rock stars and live in hilltop bosses driving 15 cars. The girls come easy and the drugs come cheap. We'll all stay skinny because we just want eat. And we'll hang out in the coolest bars in the VIP with the movie stars. Every good 
And this idea, like, I, I obviously was not into the bunny scene in 2005 or now. Um, but, like, the hypersexual, like, bringing it up, like, there's, like, the hypersexualization of stuff and talking about, like, gold diggers and groupies and my high club. Like, this, these are, like, the main tenants, quote unquote, of being a rock star, you know? And so it's, like, bringing these things in. Because those are one, the expectation, and but also two, like the cliche of it, right? It, like, it's very cliche. It's a, it's an easy, like grab. Yeah. Low hanging fruit. Those are the words. Um, and even that in like having, kind of a comment on, what the industry looks like and what in general, like not just the music industry, all of the industries, uh, entertainment industries, um, and so I think there are are good things in here but because Nickelback and Kroger tend to format their music for popular play it does keep it a lot lighter like the other song that you talked about ACDC if it's play, if it is a oh, single yeah, def- played on episode played on right yeah, it, it is played on certain ones yeah but that's a big hit. it was a big hit back in the day I, I'm not saying it wasn't uh, I wasn't there in that day <laughs> but um, like this one is more easily digestible. And I think that's your main problem. You don't like things that are like, okay, what was the point then? <laughs> you know? I guess so. You know, and that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I feel that way about a lot of things, but mostly like TV or movies. Like, what's the point? What's the point if you're like going to do this? And I, I don't discredit that, but I do know there are people who like it, right? Like, and I'm not going to, you know, so yeah. So I can understand your hatred for this <laughs> and why it's like, this is the worst thing ever. But I'm like, yeah, but it does commit one f- grave sin What is for sin? a song about being a rock star. And you're talking about playboy bunnies and living it up, taking, you know, uh, Lear jets and all that junk, right? Uh, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling and dealing, mm-hmm. uh, Ric Flair stuff. Okay. Right? <laughs> if you're writing a rock song, about being a rock star, you would think you would include a guitar solo that's, in your song. This fair. song does not have <laughs> a guitar solo in it. Well, I like was like listening through it and I was like, where's the guitar solo <laughs> about this rock star song? There it's are- like, <laughs> of all the songs to not have a ripping guitar solo in. <laughs> Like an overblown one, even like yeah. just go off the wall crazy yeah. with a guitar Use solo. Six how of could your you, old guitars. How could you not have one in this song? It's ridiculous. I concede that point. That is a little ridiculous. <laughs> they dropped the ball hard with that. They did. Well, maybe was there a drum solo? No. Was there it, any solos? No. It, it reminds me of like another like great rock song about being a rock star, which is a jukebox hero by Foreigner. You mm-hmm. know, and they have a ripping guitar solo. <laughs> Like that's how you know they're rock stars. Gosh, this song, dude. Oh man, that 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 pushed me over the edge. <laughs> I was just like, this. The lyrics are dumb. Uh, the the just the vibe is dumb, and there isn't even a guitar solo in this rock star song. What's going on? What indeed? Well, what, is that all you have on rock star? Well, I had some other stuff that I I would uh, participate in in the rock, but it was just a no, little bit. Go ahead. Um. VIP with the movie stars, not not because I want to sit with movie stars, but I assume it'll be quieter <laughs> than going with the normies like me. I want to be great like Elvis without the tassels, but then I was like, actually, 
I don't know that Elvis was that great, but he did have good food. So yes to that. And I want to hire eight uh, eight bodyguards that love to beat up buttholes. I want to be great like Elvis without the tassels. Hire eight bodyguards that love to beat up bassles. Sign a couple lot of grass so I can eat my meals for free. I'm going to dress my ass with the latest fashion. Get a front door key to the Playboy Mansion. Going to date a Santa phone that loves to blow my money for me. Because yes, as a lady, I would love to just direct an attack. But that's more or less everything else uh, that I would have uh, wanted from this song. You want a quesadilla? Oh my gosh, that sounds so good though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rockstar was voted record of the year by the UK public in 2008. Hey. The Brits love Rockstar. But the song is also frequently cited as one of the worst songs of all time. Well... With outlets like BuzzFeed, Metro, and The Guardian offering harsh criticism. Well, I'm, look, I'm not going to not, right, like, see the points. But everybody needs somebody to fight in their corner. And I will do that. Which is why when we do other stuff, we switch places. And I just, nah, negative. Anyway. Hey, kids, who won that discussion? It was me, right? I was the one. I convinced you. Next song is a song called... Follow you home. Seems like you found something to like. The, the music's good on this one. Like I, I was like, that's not the problem. <laughs> but um, I, I would say Rockstar has some of the worst lyrics I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Follow You Home has the worst lyrics I've ever heard. It, this, song, this song is uh, uh, doesn't even have the, cle- like, the small degree of cleverness that Rockstar has. This song's terrifying. Th- this song is awful. It, the meaning's awful. <clears throat> the subject matter's awful. Yeah. The tone's awful. Yep. As far as the lyrics go, like, I mean, that riff's cool. That's a good riff. Yeah. I was like, you know. If only that had been in Rockstar. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> follow you. What is Follow You Home about? Um, A stalker? Yes. Yep. Did you look up uh, information about it? No, no, oh. no. I, I, not, not. Not a lot going on as far as like the making of this song. It's just like some Chad Kroger decided to write a creepy stalker song. It's so creepy. So I, I just want to say, right, like when I was younger, when I was first listening to this, I obviously like I really like the I like the musicality. That's not necessarily obvious because I don't really always talk about it, but I did. Uh, but I did really like the musicality of it. Um, and I don't know what it was. It was probably how, uh, Croker was singing or something like that, but I just really liked the like dark feel of it. It's dark. Uh, all right. Yeah. It's really dark. And I was just like, oh, wow. Like I, I like this. I don't know. There's something I like about it, but as a grown woman, this is terrifying. This is not cute. This is not funny. This is so scary. How does the song start? Well, you can dig me up a grave and try to stick me in the ground. You can, well, you can tie me to the bed and try to beat me half to death, but you will never keep me down. Well, you can stick me in a hole and you can pray all day for rain. 
well, you can shoot me in the leg just to try to make me beg. And you can leave me here there for days and I'll stay alive. You can dig me up a grave and try and stick me in the ground. Well, you can tie me to the bed and try and beat me out to death, but you can never keep me down. Well, you can stick me in a hole and you can lay out in the rain. Well, you can shoot me in the leg just to try to make me beg. You can leave me there for days. Just to follow you up. Yep. That's it. That's it. Right? Like, it, it, the song is very much like, you could try to get rid of me, and I'm coming for you, no matter what. Don't worry. This isn't. It's good for you. This isn't romantic. It's Chad. not. It's, it's creepy. It's, Chad. it's so scary. Like it's so scary. Uh, and then just the, the lyrics. Wait, wait, wait. Before you get to the chorus, um, I was gonna say like just just isolated those two like that Versus. first verse or whatever. It fits like I'm, I'm now picturing like Michael Myers, like from mm. the Halloween movies, you know, like, oh, yeah, you can you could try to kill me. You could put me in the grave or, or like Jason from mm -hmm. the Friday the 13th movies. Right. You could do all this stuff to me, but I'm going to keep coming back. You know, yeah. so it's like, oh, is he writing a horror movie song like a, like a slasher movie song? Yeah. But then the chorus like it's like, no, this is a weird love song. It's a creepy, gross love song. Yeah. Yeah. What's you the chorus? And I will survive. Because you're my Mississippi princess, you're my California queen, like the Duchess of Detroit and every city in between. You can slap me in the face, you can scream profanity, leave me here to die alone, but I'll still follow you home. I'll still follow you home. It, almost, it sounds like he's trying to take the victim here a little bit. Like, you could do all this stuff to me, but I'll keep coming back because I love you so much. It's. I don't deserve to be slapped in the face. It's so bad. At. It's okay. So like. <laughs> Did you choose the song because it's so bad? No, I chose the song just because it's like I, this was one of my favorite songs off the album, right? Like regardless, like. And nostalgia and yada yada yada. I was like, no, this is. I didn't choose photograph because obviously it was a good song. And I definitely sang it a lot, but it's like, okay, I don't want to talk about photograph. But let me talk about the songs I, I did like off the album that didn't get like a lot of radio play. Well, some did, um, and I like genuinely liked the song, so I wanted to talk about it uh, again. Right, this idea of like, I know I liked it, I liked it a lot, but like when I remove nostalgia, like this is horrifying. Uh, upon reading it, like after the first two verses, it makes me think of a campfire song. They sang the only, one and only time I ever went to a camp, which is called The Cat Came Back. Have you ever heard of it? Uh, maybe. I reference it occasionally, but it's like one of those things I feel like no one's ever heard. And I was like, I could find the lyrics online, right? I can, and I did. I'm going to read this. Uh -uh. Old Mr. Johnson had troubles of his own. He had a yellow cat that he did, that wouldn't leave his home. He tried and tried to give the cat away. He found an ocean liner, liner going far, far away. But the cat came back the very next day. The cat came back. They thought he was a goner. The cat came back. He just wouldn't stay away. And then Mr. Johnson does a lot of things. And the cat comes back the very next day. So, like, uh, Mr. Johnson gave the cat to a man in a balloon and said, please take this cat and leave it on the moon the balloon came down about 90 miles away where the cat 
is now, well, no one wants to say, but the cat came back the very next day. Mr. Johnson um, gave the cat to a fellow going west and said, uh, this cat is a present for the one you love best. First train hit the track and then it bounced on the, roll, on the rail. Not a person stayed around to tell the gruesome tale. Like the, the train overturned, but the cat came back the next day. And then the cat was now a father of his, a family of his own. He lived with Mr. Johnson and there was a, came a cyclone. It tore the house apart and tossed the cats around and the air was filled with kittens. The cat could not be found, but the cat came back the very next day. And when you sing this in a campfire, it's like, the cat came back the very next day. But as you get slower, closer to the end, it goes, and the cat came back <laughs> the very next, like it gets more and more haunting. Like there's nothing you can do. And that's what this makes me feel like, like uh, some guy comes up to you. Hey, sh hey, shorty, can I get your number? And I'm so sorry about that accent. You're my, you're my Mississippi queen. You know, like, come on, babe. And you're like, no, no, thank you. Well, why? And you give whatever reason. My no is not enough. And they're like, show up at your workplace. They find out what your car is and they wait at your car. <laughs> they follow you home. They find your phone number and text you. They contact you through other people. Some of these things have happened to me. And the idea that like, it doesn't matter what you do. Like you could call the police, honestly. And we know this from some other situations. Like you can't get a restraining order if someone hasn't physically harmed you. Or, or threatened, uh, threatened physically, yeah. And so, like, so, like, there's, like, what do you do? Right? Like, and it's just, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Even if you try to kill me, I'm going to come back. But you can't try to kill someone, right? Like, but, like, you can get to a place where you're, like, I want the stalker gone. Like, yep. let me go to jail. He can't follow me there. Well, he, he even, he's got, he's got all the alternatives covered. He's got all his bases covered. You can make a couple calls and tell your brothers I'm in town and put a bounty on my head and tell my parents that I'm dead. And hope to hell I'm never found. Well, you can steal me the keys to your daddy's Cadillac. Well, you can tamper with the brakes, call it a mistake, and pray and never come back. You can make a couple calls and tell your brothers I'm in town. Put a body on my head and tell my parents that I'm dead and hope to hell I'm never found. You can But he's just going to keep call following you home. Yeah. The idea that like somebody like somebody is praying that I never come back and I'm still going to like that's terrible. Like if what kind you, of man are you? Right. Like one, if that person is religious, they wouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to like it is not a good thing to pray for someone to never come back. Right. Yeah, yeah. If they're not religious and they've resorted to praying like stop. She's just not that into you. She's not at all into you. Get some help. Uh, the uh, the stuff that really hit me is like, man, like not only like, yeah, the, the just the blatant disrespect, you know, and dehumanization uh, that this guy is showing on the woman that he's, you know, pursuing, I mm -hmm. guess. Right. But like it extends to like his family. It's like, I don't respect you. I don't respect your family. I don't respect your brothers or your dad. You know, it's like, what is this? Yeah. Right. It's just like. It's, just, it's a horrible monster. Like, yeah, it's a it's horror like, story. You are a property, and I want that property to be mine. Because like, you're that's... my Mississippi queen. What does that even mean? 
Well, you know, colonization. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It, it, no, no. Like, not I in the, like, like land, a, property, ownership. In a, the, like. It's like a postcard for me. Yeah. Like, oh, let's move me- west. There are people there? No, there are not people there. Like, that's very much what it is. It's very much like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, you, ugh. It's like the it, honestly, like I think the chorus actually is kind of gross too, and the fact that he's naming all these places. It's like this is not the only woman he's done this to. Yeah, he has a, he has a woman in every state Ugh. that he he pursues. You know, Ugh. it's it's. it's <laughs> Ugh. This song sucks. It's not great. In fact, it's not good. No. In fact, it's bad. <laughs> um, that being said, like when it comes on on my in in my song, right? Like it doesn't come on that often anymore. I sing along. Because nostalgia is a strong drug, like you know, and I'm like, the music, the music the of it, like if you, good. if you just took all the like vocals out and just played the music track, like that'd be pretty. <laughs> it is. I'm telling you, just, we just need an instrumental version of "Follow You Home," and it's just like a fine, like instrumental hard rock metal track. Yeah, you know? it's it's good. It's like sad that such a good music. This was the song that decided to go over it, right? Again, that being said, I do enjoy um, Chad's vocals here. Like, not the words, but just how he's saying it. Like the the grit in his voice and stuff. Like, I don't, I don't mind the. You know, it's just I like. I want to follow you home. Yeah, I just if it was something else, right? Like if it was like you feel unsafe, <laughs> I'm gonna follow you home. When I get there, I'm gonna make sure you get inside and then drive away. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you know. <laughs> that would at least been like Chad Kroger's like trademark like goofiness. You yeah. Know? Like, on the nose goofiness. Yeah. Like this was just like weird. And this is this comes back to like other criticism of all Chad Kroger where like all his songs are super juvenile, you know, and like I love it when you take off your pants. Like what yeah. is that song? <laughs> I can't think of the title right now. It's like a, a song about how he likes when women take their pants off. That's like, not the lyric, but, okay. but that's the joke. Like I, it's, I that's like the gist. your pants around your knee. Yeah, that, that yeah, one, yeah, you yeah. Know, or I don't want to go to prison. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel like you can you can take the you can sum up every Nickelback song uh, w- with the, the the vocal melody to the chorus of this one. Mm. <laughs> you know, I will say this makes me think of um, I'm just saying a bunch of look. Sometimes I get scary TikToks, um, but I was going to show you this one yesterday, actually. But it was talking about um, a guy who was like, a random woman jumped in my truck last night uh, and like I like took off with her. And he was like, I was just about to get leave this gas station and a woman jumps in my truck and says, go, go, go. And he was like, look, I'm from the ghetto. Somebody hops in your car and yells, go, you go because something's going down. I get like a block or two away and I stop at a stop like a crosswalk and it's like, okay, lady, you got to get out of my car. <laughs> like, I don't know. And she was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I, um, I don't, she said something like my, um, my boyfriend, like took my purse and my wallet. And he was like, had me trapped and I couldn't da da da. And he was like, where's your boyfriend? He's in the truck behind you. And then he's like, as soon as he said that, there's a knock on my door and there's just a man in my window, just all built chest. Like, I don't see anything else. Like, get her out of your effing car. And so I was like, (laughs) he said, I've 
played a lot of Grand Theft Auto. So I spun that car around and I opened up my mini map and I just said, GPS, Google, get me to the nearest police station. And I right and I left and I turned and whoop, there it was. And I like let her hop out and go. And I was like, oh, great. And I saw her on the news the next day. That wasn't her boyfriend. That guy had ended her boyfriend and oh. captured her and she had gotten away. And that's what this song is. I'm so sorry if you heard me flapping paper. Like, you know, it's things like that where it's just kind of like, yes, that's a real thing. That is a, I'm probably getting too loud, but yes, that's a real thing. And like reading this and like thinking, oh, the cat comes back and this is like, it's not cute. It's so, so scary. It's so scary. I was, I went out this morning to do laundry at 5 a.m. And there was a random dude in our gate just walking around. And I went back inside until he left because this is scary. Like, you don't know. I was like, can that guy take me? Probably. Probably. He's pretty built. Like, that's something that you have to think about. And now there's just a song that's like, don't worry, you're my princess and you're my queen. Ugh. But I really do like the sound of the song. Thanks. I hate it. <laughs> uh, speaking of the sound of the song, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll transition to the next track with uh, the guitar solo from uh, Follow You Home, which is uh, actually performed by Billy Gibson of ZZ Top. Oh. There he is again. So oh. I got him in the studio for a couple days. Yeah, I guess. Let him do some vocal stuff and then do a guitar solo. That's why it sounds so good. You can almost hear the beard in there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, let's let's fade on that. Let's fade out on that and uh, before the singing move starts. Move on to the next song. <laughs> uh, a song I don't hate as much, mm -hmm. but the lyrics are still dumb. But it's interesting. Yeah, I'm glad you picked this one. Yeah, it changed my whole my whole. <laughs> you thought about it? Yeah. No, no, it changed how I formatted the first segment. Oh, the song is called "Side of a Bullet." Yeah, for that reason, I have that note too. <laughs> What note did you have? Avenge Sevenfold Money Dirt Bags. <laughs> That's what I wrote. It I, I believe what you're trying to say <laughs> is that this song, like Avenge Sevenfold's Betrayed, is a tribute to the late Pantera guitarist Dimebag Daryl. That's, mm-hmm. Which is wild, because I, I, one, didn't know that Betrayed was a Dimebag Daryl song uh, until I started doing the lyrics. Uh, I was like looking at the lyrics, trying to decide which songs to pick. Mm -hmm. You sent me your list mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I, I had done the like notes for side of a bullet mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, Dimebag Daryl. Oh, it's a tribute song to him. And then as I'm looking at the lyrics for Ben Sevenfold, I see this is also a tribute to, I was like, what? <laughs> well, okay. So there you go. Like two songs by two very different bands. Very different. Uh, paying tribute to the late, great Dimebag Daryl in the year after his passing very interesting connections we have yeah i i didn't know like obviously well i don't do research for the show kids i'm just a guest um i didn't know this was about dimebag daryl but having already done um our event sevenfold segment i was going through this and i was like this is like 
this is very similar. This is very parallel to what we had just talked about. Obviously, I had the name perfectly right. Dimebag Daryl. Mm-hmm. That's what I said and what's wrote here. Let me just re-record that. Avenge Sevenfold song about Dimebag Daryl. Yep, we're going to put that in. Insert. <laughs> um, yeah, like, wild. Wild that that is something that connects. Not necessarily. Like, it makes sense that, like, they both, they, like, rock bands have similar heroes and would be feeling the same kind of loss but wow and unlike Avenged Sevenfold uh, Chad Kroger and the Nickelback Boys they actually were friends with Dimebag Daryl and Vinny of Pantera so they they knew each other and I guess they hung out and you know stuff like that so that that does make sense because I did feel like this feels more personal personal yeah yeah I got a quote from Chad Kroger to MTV, quote, I was very upset. And for two months, if I saw his picture somewhere, I would get angry. I hadn't lost somebody to a shooting before. It wasn't as though he'd been killed in some sort of accident. He was taken in such a horrible, malicious way that just made it more painful. Yeah, I was actually going to say when when you said more personal, I was like, it sounds more angry. Yeah. And angry is like the best way to describe this, I think. And of all the songs on here, like I guess the last two we're going to talk about feel the most authentic. Mm-hmm. There's something there's something in these songs that for some reason we're lacking mm-hmm. in Rockstar and in a lot of other Nickelback songs I've heard. I just like right. I don't know. I, I feel I connect more mm-hmm. with the lyrics emotionally. You know what I mean? Like I, I, there's like an oomph. Yeah. And it opens up with a, you know a little bit of a political statement on. On the on a Canadian commenting a bit on America, yeah, by way of this horrible shooting that's happened, yeah. Uncle Tom, wait, Uncle Tom, different uncle. Uncle Sam taught him to shoot, maybe a little too well. Finger on the trigger, loaded bullet. He hit the stage so full of rage and let the whole world know it. Six feet away, they heard him say, "Oh God, don't let him pull it." Uncle Sam taught him to shoot, maybe a little too well. Finger on the trigger. Please, God, don't let him pull it. How could you put us through it? His brother watched you do it. You know, and then all that's talking about Dimebag Daryl. Mm-hmm. You know, like his brother was present on stage with him. Mm-hmm. It's like listening to it and just having you read it without the lyrics. Like even as I listen to it, I always feel the same. I feel a lot of anger, but reading it without having any of the the musicality behind it it's so visceral it's so incredibly visceral the idea of just like that part six feet away like being put in the situation just imagining being there the crowd goes quiet there's a gun on stage and someone's like oh god please no you know like that's so scary and heart-wrenching yep. like and having to like not having to, he had a choice not to do this, but like feeling like the one of the only ways to cope with losing your friend is to write something like this. Like, gosh, that must have been so painful, you know? Yep. So and for that, I'm like, you know, good, good on your Kroger. And like mm-hmm. uh, comparing it to Betray, the Avenged Sevenfold we talked about, like this song also is attempting to get into the head of the murderer, right? Like asking the questions like, how, what would bring a person to do this? Right. Yeah. How could you take his life away? What made you think you had the right? How could you be so full of hate to take 
to take away somebody's life. And when I heard you let him die and made the world all wonder why, I, yeah. You know, asking the questions, how how could you do this? How could someone be so full of hate? Mm-hmm. What would bring a person to commit an atrocity like this? Yeah. And even opening it with, like, the Uncle Sam bit, like, vets need therapy. Like, you know, and, and that's not necessarily what he's diving into, but, and I'm not excusing it, obviously, but the idea of, like, what what made you think you could do this Uncle Sam taught you to shoot a little too well, but didn't teach you how to like come down to how to combat, you know, like, uh, <laughs> like at first, when I first read the first uh, pair verse, I, I thought it had to do with the school shooting and because, yeah, you know, and just even going like, oh, your brother, the, his brother watched you do it. I was like, that could be at a school. It could be. And then when I got down, it was like talking about a stage and doing all the, I was like, okay, this is about something different. But regardless, like this whole, like getting into the head of, I don't know, man. I, I like, I don't have much to say about it because I, 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 it's sad. You know, it's like, I'm going to like bounce off the things you say because I'm just kind of like, I chose it because I thought it, it's a really good and really powerful song. Um, asking questions. I think there's a lot of, I think when I think of songs about shootings, it's, I don't know. I don't think about them that often because they're sad, <laughs> you know? Well, I, I, I wanted to start with praise because I do think the the, the song has its heart in the right place. Mm-hmm. And Croker's just, you know, speaking on his experiences with this tragedy. However, the juvenile Chad Krogerness mm-hmm. bleeds through at the end of the chorus when he says, I sat at home and on my own, I cried alone. That's fine. And I scratched your name into the side of a bullet, Mm -hmm. implying that Chad Kroger just wants to shoot this guy, Mm -hmm. which makes me think that's very lame (sighs) and almost like it it, it sounds inauthentic again. You know, it's like, oh, man, if I was there, I would have shot that guy. I would have saved him. I, I, you know, I'm going to go out there and, you know, I'm going to get this guy. If he wasn't dead already, I'd be putting a bullet in him. You know, I'm scratching his name in a bullet because this one's for him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I have to disagree with that. I, I I read this song as, right, like the stages of grief and this is anger. Okay. And, and I believe that. And I read that as I, I can. There is a retaliatoriness that comes with being angry about grief, right? Like this was taken away from me and I need what can I do to make it even? What can I do? So like this feels very, very authentic to me in that like, yeah, he probably didn't actually scratch a name on the side of the bullet, but the feeling of like, you need to be paid back, right? Even as we talk through like, how do you think that you have the right to take someone's life? How do you think this is okay? But on the flip side being like, but I can justify it because an eye for an eye. And I think that that's such a natural progression in this stage of grief and like the actual ferocity of anger that you feel, especially when someone is taken in this way, right? Like not just like, oh, they, they died, 
because they were old and they were sick or they were battling something. It was over a long time, something that was absolutely preventable, you know? Um, so I, I get it. I get where it's like, is, was there a better way to say that? Is there something else that you can do? Like I totally, but I think that like, if that was how he felt even for a second, then it was, you know, like, cause I think there were definitely some times where we're like, it would be better if, and they're okay. No, that's not okay. That's if, not okay. If he added more to the song about mm -hmm. wrestling with that feeling, mm -hmm. like, this is how I feel in the moment. I know it's irrational. I know, you know, it's like, I want to take an eye for an eye, but I know that's not the right thing or something, you mm -hmm. know, like a realization of a reflection, right? Yeah. Then I'd be on your side. But for some, like, with all the other context of knowing how Chad Groger writes his songs and mm -hmm. how on the nose they can be, I, for some reason, I have to, like, take him at face value here. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, dude, this guy wants to shoot this guy. Mm -hmm. But you're, t you're Chad Kroger. You can't, you, you, you're, 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 you're going to die out there, Chad. Like you're, you're not hard, Chad. Yeah. Well, you're not bad. You're not bad. But okay. So I hear you. Right. But I think that like, uh, Dimebag died 2004 question mark. Yeah. And this song came out in 2005. Correct. The album came out in 2005. There is nothing to say that in that year span, he had gotten past the anger. Like you can wrestling does it like I'm wrestling with it. I have not overcome it. <laughs> I don't know. Just, you know, I just want more, uh, more emotional depth out uh, of Nickelback. That's what I want. Okay? I get it. Okay. I think this is very depthly emotional depth. Shut up. Depth. I think this has a good amount of deep. <laughs> um, but I get it. I get what you're saying. I uh, I get this one a little bit less than I get Rockstar, where I'm just kind of like, no. Well, it's it's better than Rockstar. Like, yeah. It, it has more emotional. No, no. Depth. I mean, I, I get your point in Rockstar more than I get it on on this point of, like, authenticity. Uh, again, you're allowed to have your own opinion. But I think, like, <laughs> I was going through my old poems yesterday in preparation for our, our Mortified event next this month. And uh, I was like looking at stuff and I was like, oh my gosh, it was so angsty and edgy. Ugh. This and is a 35 year old man who wrote this song. I'm currently angsty and edgy and I am also 35. <laughs> uh, and like the idea like that we can't be something like that. This is this is encompassing him in this time. Like, this is what it is. Right. And that for me feels very authentic. It feels very much more like a photograph of of this moment, right? More than anything else. I wonder if he looks back and is just like, yeah, no, I obviously moved past that. And I think that I could have said something, but like, I wasn't, I wasn't in that place. That's not where that song was written from. That's fine. It's like, I mean, like I said, there's, there's, there's stuff to appreciate about side of a bullet, but mm -hmm. for some reason, I just, I picture Chad Kroger actually thinking he could take a guy. If he had been there, he could take the guy. I don't know. Maybe I'm just putting words in his mouth, but that's how I feel. Yeah. I, I also think, though, right, like there are many of us that definitely feel that way about something, you know? There's sometimes when I'm like, oh, man, if I'd been there, would I have been able to X, Y, and Z? But he's not questioning. It's like, no, I think, I don't know. There's like a conviction there. Yeah, well, white man. <laughs> and in the wake of his mistake, so many lives are broken, gone forever from a loaded bullet. You let
I circled the word mistake. I don't know why. I think it's interesting that it was mistake and not choice. It was, you know, like mistake means to me like, oh, sorry, I meant to open the other door. <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, or like, I don't know, mistake for me means like, no, I did mean to do this action, but it was aimed some, it should have been somewhere else kind of thing rather than. It was like you took your anger out on the wrong guy. I don't know if maybe that's what he meant. Like, it's like, yeah, you're okay to feel like something's not right, but you made the mistake to think that the answer to your problems was to go shoot somebody. Yeah, that's definitely you know, a way to read you, it. You've maybe that was your your mistake. You should have sought out relief elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Well, that side of a bullet. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah I, something interesting that uh, is present in side of a bullet is a. Uh, the guitar solo mm. actually features outtakes performed by Dimebag Daryl himself. Oh. Yep. During uh, the Pantera days, they're just old outtakes, and they were provided by uh, Daryl's girlfriend, Rita Haney, and uh, his brother, Vinnie Paul. Mm. So let's, let's hear Dimebag actually play on a Nickelback song. pretty sweet yeah uh so rest in peace dime bag very interesting to have two dime bag daryl songs yeah in a media made episode yeah so i maybe we should just do a, a dark episode on panthera just kidding maybe one day uh, just kidding and the last song we're going to talk about is probably the one that has the most emotional depth it's what we're uh, was what i've been looking for and that is the song saving me the song where the lyrics have the most emotional depth but this sounds like the most stereotypical nickelback song of all time uh this is the this is how you remind me again uh what's the other one from their second album that sounds just like how you remind me i did a mashup when when i don't remember like it's just that type of song Mm -hmm. you know it's like the very like safe single nickelback song Mm -hmm. sonically sonically lyrically you know i was like i think there's something there's 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 something to be said here. Hmm. I think it's interesting. I think we might be on opposite sides again, but opposite, opposite. Let's Pr- do it. Prison gates won't open for me. On these hands and knees, I'm crawling. Oh, I reach for you. Well, I'm terrified of these four walls. These iron bars can't hold my soul in. All I need is you. Come, please. I'm calling. And oh, I scream for you. Hurry. I'm falling. I'm falling. I don't know. It's, it, there's a there's a, a, a desperation mm-hmm. emotively in the song. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like a man who's trapped mm. in society, you know, circumstance, okay. period in life. Yeah. And he's calling for someone who, who know, family, loved one, God, 
I don't know. Like I'm like, hey, Chad, you're feeling something. Yeah. And I feel it too, I suppose. Oh, I don't want to rain on this parade. No, go ahead. What you no, got? no, no. Keep going. No, no. I, I, I um, <laughs> uh, again, love the song because nostalgia. But no, I'm not going to say of the ones we've talked about, I hate this the most because um, obviously Follow You Home exists. Um, but this is on par with that for me. Uh, just because I, I think it's interesting that you're like, oh, we don't know what you're calling for or what you're trapped for. This feels very toxic and manipulative to me. The, um, gosh, show me what it takes to be the last one standing. Teach me wrong from right. And I'll show you what I can be. Say it for me, say it to me and I'll leave this life behind me. Say it if it's worth saving me. Show me what it's like. And this feels very much, even at the beginning, calling, it feels very much like a person who's in a relationship that is ending that doesn't want it to end. And so they're threatening self-harm. Okay. (laughs) I I definitely feel the self-harm aspect of the song, like contemplating... Something. I'm on the ledge of the 18th story, and all I scream is for you to come, please. I'm calling, and I need you. Hurry. I'm falling, falling. Like, I think it's very interesting what your feelings. I don't want to rain on your parade because it was like, oh, I really like that. Like, the idea of being, like, trapped in some kind of society or whatever it is, feeling like I need to be out of this and I need help from someone. But for me, it it sounds like, like someone asking hey show me what you need me to be like let me be that like if that's it okay well i'm standing on the edge of the 18th floor and i'm calling for you like i will leave this behind come here and i was like uh (laughs) well i'm like that's not an invalid interpretation Mm -hmm. but like if someone is standing on the 18th story that's that's pretty close to taking the plunge you know what i mean like when someone's in that position, I'm more inclined to believe that they need help mm-hmm. than to uh, accuse them of being manipulative. Mm-hmm. I think people that need help can sometimes be manipulative. Oh, that's true like, too. Not necessarily on purpose, but like I think there's there's nothing right. Right, I think yeah, you're standing that. Uh huh. I absolutely need you to go and seek help. I need you to go do those things. But like being on the other side of that, where it's just kind of like, how many times has this happened? Right, where it's just like, no, I you were. You, this relationship is affecting my mental health and who I am and who I want to be. And we are not good for each other and we need to break. And the other people like, no, uh, uh-uh, absolutely not. You can't leave me for whatever reason. If you leave me, I will, you know, like that kind of, that kind of thing, which I don't know. It looks like you've never heard of that before. Okay. No, no, no. It's perfectly fine. But like, there's, there's that, um, very real scenario, that very real thing that has happened to multiple people in my life where it's just kind of like can't keep doing this to myself and being in these things like the only reason i'm here is so that they won't hurt themselves but they're not happy i'm not happy i'm like actively also hurting myself and i they won't get help they won't get help what am i supposed to do yeah and it is one of those things where like hey 
refer the higher higher level of care higher level here but if people don't want to go and they're calling you from the top of a building how many times do you drop everything to go every single time which would be lovely and beautiful and amazing right but like if you don't hold your ground at some point, right? Like they're just going to keep doing it because that's what they know works brings you back. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're, bring, you're, you're bringing a lot to this guy. I, I, I don't know if this is the first or 20th time this has happened. That's absolutely fair. That's absolutely fair. That's why I was, that, this, I'm just saying like these specific lines make me think of this like situation. It makes me think of that kind of situation. And I was just explaining what, why. <laughs> you, you, that the, 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 the opening line of the verse that you just read, mm -hmm. heaven's gate won't open for me with these broken wings I'm falling. Heaven's gates won't open up for me with these broken wings I'm falling. All I see is you. These city walls ain't got no love for me. I'm on the ledge of the 18th story. All I scream for you. Please, I'm calling. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know that 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 evokes to me a person that feels guilty about something they've done. It's like, you know, that that feeling that, oh, I, I'm not even worthy of God's love. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I'm a I'm an evil man or, you know, I've done something so horrible. Like this is like this deep remorse and regret in life that, you know, it's like no one no one could ever love me or want me. Right. Uh, I should just end it all. You know, mm -hmm. I was like, and that, that was like, that makes me feel like, oh, yeah, this, this, this guy's really feeling it. You know, he needs some help. Yeah. I, and I don't disagree. I absolutely think this person does need help for whatever it is. But the line that you stopped short of, of the, uh, heaven's gates won't open up for me with these broken wings. I'm falling and all I see is you. It's, it's the hyper focused nature of it more than anything else. But like pulling that back, right? Like I'm just saying. This is what I saw when I like pulling that back and try and seeing it through your eyes. The idea that like maybe, the, the, maybe. no, because then the like the idea that like I'm standing at heaven's gates and they won't open for me. So I'm falling down and I'm looking at you. You're not from a literary standpoint. You're not looking at God, <laughs> you know. Right. So what is the you that you're asking to save you? Right. Like, well, maybe he wronged his, his lady. You know, he hit, he hit her, you know. And uh, he feels real bad about it. But I mean, in that case, maybe it is a little manipulative or whatever. But I don't know. Like, who even knows if she can hear him right now? If, like, he's directing this at her or just, like, fit, you know, just into the ether. It's like, yeah, I feel so bad. And there's nothing I can do to win her back. Yeah. I And I, and I, and I and even with that, right, The what comes right after that chorus is, show me what it's like to be the last one standing. Teach me wrong from right. The, the idea, if you're like, oh, they did something wrong. You're like, okay, well, I don't know. Rod, like, if I, like, did something to you, like, if I actually got really mad and I just started punching you in the face, right? And then you're like, absolutely not. Uh, I got to get out of here. We're not going to be able to. It's like, wait, wait, babe, babe. Show me what it means to be right. <laughs> show me how, how to be the last one standing. We can do this together. No, Teach me wrong me. from right. Right? Like, why am I putting the burden of of education on you whom was attacked no you can fix me we can make this better rather than like 
<laughs> Unless the song is to a therapist, right? Like if this song is to your therapist, where it's just like, <laughs> show me wrong from white and I will show you and everyone that I can be good, that I can overcome this. Like having skates won't open up to me and I'm falling into your therapist chair. Like that's the only All way I like see these, is you. Yeah. That's the only way these lyrics work for me, right? Like this could possibly be the song that comes before like in a movie or not a movie in a story standpoint i'll follow you home right like all i see is you you have to save me and i'll still follow you home like it to me like that's why i was like ah it's on par because it's just kind of like hurry i'm falling all i need is you please come i'm calling i scream for you hurry like sir call the police like i i don't know I, and so that's why I was like, I don't want to rain on your parade. It does make me feel stuff. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I, I mean, I don't, I don't have a lot of ownership over this. So, you know, <laughs> screw you, chat. Your <laughs> lyrics suck. I'm so sorry. Just convinced me. No, I'm so sorry. No. I said, oh, oh, I think we're going to be on opposite ends in a different way this time. Because I was like, uh, I like the song nostalgically, but... <laughs> Uh. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm I'm not here to defend this song too too much. So Did I, I ruin I, it? No, I, Did I ruin this segment? No, no. I, I honestly like all the songs. I think they've they've built a compelling case about the quality of Chad Kroger's songwriting in particular. Dang it! Well, you you didn't mind side of a bullet. <laughs> I minded it less. You minded it less, and you like the guitar riff and follow you home. Is there anything else you want to talk about with saving me? No, I feel like I've made you sad. Do you recommend Nickelback's All the Right Reasons? Yes. Why? Because nostalgia. If someone's never heard Nickelback before, should they listen to this one? Yes, Mike, you should. <laughs> Portnoy. <laughs> um, uh, I mean... If they've never heard Nickelback before, I wouldn't I I wouldn't be like, "Oh, you should listen to this album because it's like if you like it, their stuff doesn't sound like this anymore. Like this is not the same like music that they're going over what they're performing what they want to be, but like I like it. I think this album sucks. <laughs> yeah, and you do. uh it just just get at throw it away. Don't even bother. Uh, you're this, a hater. This, this is uh it's not good. Get your nickel back. Yeah, I was like, maybe if you can find like the instrumental versions of the songs, like maybe that's a decent listen. But these lyrics are so bad. Whatever. Some of the worst rock lyrics I've ever read. Whatever. Okay. What did the world think? <laughs> what did the world think? They loved it because Nickelback is a is a household name and everybody loves it. All the right reasons went to number one in Canada, New Zealand, and the U.S. See. And it broke the top 10 in Australia, Austria, Germany, Ireland, Switzerland, and the UK. Everybody loves it. The album sold more than 12 million singles and over 9 million ringtones. Hey, <laughs> I think I might have had the Saving Me ringtone, to be perfectly honest. What a 2005 metric. It sold <laughs> millions of ringtones on your Blackberries. Give it a two more years and then we're going to have a ringbacks. Your sidekick, right? Is that what it was? Yeah, sidekicks. Yeah, remember the sidekicks. With 11 million copies sold worldwide, it is Nickelback's best-selling album to date and one of the best-selling albums ever in the U.S. A. But despite its sales success, the album received mixed reviews from critics. Entertainment Weekly put it this way, quote, On a good day, they're the musical punchline to jokes about musical mediocrity. 
On a bad day, they're considered the soundtrack of Satan incarnate. Wow. Rolling Stone said, quote, the band's wordy hooks and big riffs are as meticulously arranged as a thousand dollar nativity scene. But all the right reasons is so depressing. <laughs> you're almost glad Kurt's not around to hear it. Like Kurt Cobain. Wow. Look what they've done to my boy. Wow. And New York Times called it, quote, another brash but sullen CD with more of the worst rock lyrics ever recorded. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> All the Right Reasons won favorite pop slash rock album at the American Music Awards, rock album of the year at the Billboard Music Awards, Nickelback themselves won duo slash group of the year, and the Hot 100 artist duo slash group of the year. It won rock album of the year at the Juno Awards, which is the Canadian one. Mm -hmm. Nickelback won group of the year. Eh. And All the Right Reasons was ranked number 13 on Billboard's 200 albums of the decade. Yeah. Man. <laughs> you don't think it deserves to be, <laughs> to be there? No, you don't. On, on, of the decade? 13? <laughs> Man, there's like, I, I could think of like 13 better albums than this. Easy. Like just, They're already on the list. Man. Uh, where did Nickelback go from here? Because uh, I believe this is our last Nickelback. This is release. our last ni return to Nickel. Well, they followed all the right reasons with the multi-platinum sellers Dark Horse in 2008 and Here and Now in 2011. And then the Billboard Top 5 albums No Fixed Address in 2014 and Feed the Machine in 2017. Yeah. Their latest release, Get Rollin', dropped in 2022. Oh, wow. Yep. Um, the only album title I know the name of is Dark Horse. Uh, I was like, completely out after that. From what I understand, No Fixed Address is their... Uh, it's like their political dance album, I think. Dance? Yeah, it's like they, they went like pop dance for a little while there. Okay. And then uh, I think Feed the Machine is the one with Sam Quentin on it. So I don't know who Sam Quentin is. The one where he doesn't want to go to jail. Oh, oh, oh. Why I thought you were saying this song Sam Quentin. Like he Sam. was a he was a like uh, a featured artist. Oh no, San Quentin. Got it. One of the most commercially successful Canadian rock acts of all time, Nickelback has sold more than 50 million albums worldwide. However, Nickelback's legacy remains complicated. <laughs> In 2011, users of the music-oriented dating site tastebuds.fm, which I've never heard of, apparently you, you like, it's like, what's the, the dating app where you swipe? Tinder? It's like Tinder, but with music. Okay. Nickelback was voted by users as the number one musical turnoff. Oh, wow. <laughs> and in 2013, readers of Rolling Stone named Nickelback the second worst band of the 1990s, behind only... Who? Creed. Wow. The Black Keys. You know Black Keys? I know of them. The Black Keys' Patrick Carney told Rolling Stone in 2012, quote, rock and roll is dying because people became okay with Nickelback being the biggest band in the world. Well... Wow. Hey. Savage. That is very savage. There are different kinds of rock and roll, sucker. And in 2016, Sally Antonin, a cultural studies PhD student at the University of Eastern Finland, examined the phenomenon of hate surrounding Nickelback in her paper, quote, hypocritical BS performed through gritted teeth, authenticity discourses in Nickelback's album reviews in Finnish media, <laughs> which sounds amazing. I read a little <laughs> bit about it. She wrote, quote, Nickelback is too much of everything to be enough of something. They follow genre expectations too well, which is seen as empty imitation, but also not well enough, which is read as commercial tactics 
and as a lack of a stable, sincere identity. Okay. I don't disagree. I love that. She she pulled that quote from uh, from some music uh, review. Hypocritical BS performed through gritted teeth. <laughs> Put it on a shirt. Nickelback was the subject of a 2023 documentary film called Hate to Love Nickelback, which examined the band's journey as one of the most commercially successful rock bands of the world and one of the most culturally reviled. Yeah. Whatever the case, Nickelback are heroes in their native Canada. Yes. Having won 12 Juno Awards over the course of their career, the band was inducted into the Canada Walk of Fame in 2007 and the Canadian Music Hall of Fame in 2023. If we move to Canada, does that mean you have to convert? No. But you should convert. You I'll gotta. You, no. Otherwise, they won't give you, they won't let you stay. <laughs> That's part of the citizenship. <laughs> yes. <test. laughs> Do you like Nickelback? Yes. <laughs> that is Nickelback. We did it. Oh, man. We we did it. That wasn't too bad. Who who won? Um, I Avenged did. Sevenfold or Nickelback? Yeah. Yeah. You sincerely think Nickelback put out a better album than Avenged Sevenfold? Yeah. She's shaking her head. No. Am I shaking my yes. head or are you saying that I'm shaking my head? Nope. She's shaking her head. I mean it. With her fingers crossed. <laughs> wow. Really? Kids, who are you going to believe? This is an audit- auditory medium. <laughs> Speak the truth. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, I'm not going to give it to Nickelback. I wouldn't necessarily give it to either band, but since that's not how the show works... Uh, and I'm not giving it to Nickelback. That means it by default goes to Avenged Sevenfold. Avenged Sevenfold is the better album. Uh, I agree. I think like the music on Nickelback's album is not too bad, but like e- even like the like even as like metal musicians, Avenged Sevenfold does it better. Like Sinister Gates is way better guitar player mm-hmm. than any of those Nickelback guys. Uh, the lyrics are way better, um, even for a song as sloppy as Betrayed. Uh, about Dimebag Daryl. I yeah. think even the lyrics there are a little better than Side of a Bullet, mm-hmm. which is like the strongest of the bunch. Okay. I don't agree with that. But, but- all the other songs are clearly better than anything Chad Kroger wrote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And, yeah. And they took more risks. Yeah. 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 There yeah. you go. Give a star to Nickelback. No. Yeah. Give it to Nickelback. He said it. Don't you cut that. Don't you cut that. Don't cut it. Don't cut it. So there you go. Give a star to Avenge Sevenfold. You can say that too, but don't cut the other thing. But as we all know, can't judge a music album on the music alone, right? Right. What do we judge it on? The fan chants and the album covers. I have for just the album covers for City of Evil by Avenge Sevenfold and then All the Right Reasons (laughs) by Nickelback. Uh, Can you describe City of Evil for me? There is a skeleton sword man uh, on a golden horse. Pale horse, horse. Excuse me. Pale horse. That's death. On a golden horse. <laughs> it's the pale horse called pale horse called death. Uh, holding, holding its golden mane in a bony fist with a graveyard behind it and a bat in the side. And there's, a rainbow of fire, and then it says Adventure Sevenfold, and then it says City of Evil and Fire, and then it says Parental Advisory Explicit Content. Well, that's on some of them. <laughs> my my copy doesn't have that on, on my computer, but uh, I think the the skeleton man with the bat wings is it's the, an apocalypse. Well, that's also the uh, the anthropomorphized version of their logo, which is called the Death Bat. Ah. It's like their mascot, Death Bat. 
uh, they have a video game called, I, I didn't mention that, but like Hail to the King, when that album came out, mm-hmm. they had a tie-in mobile game called like Death Bat, Hail to the King. And you, it's like an RPG where you play as Death Bat. Wow. Do you think we could still download it on our Probably uh, smartphones? <laughs> but uh, good, bad album cover? I hate it. Okay. I, I think it's a pretty sweet metal album cover. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's too much happening. It's too much. Okay. And tell me uh, what's uh, what's going on with Nickelback. Uh, it is blue gray road rushing by with a Cadillac, a car driving on a road and a sunset and gray skies in the background. It is cleaner. Yes. It's classier. Uh-huh. This, this is a classier album cover. Yes. And like looking at it, you know, looking at them by side by side, I think Nickelback's is like just cleaner, nicer. Yes. I will say, why was this not the album cover for their previous album? The road. The road back. Yeah. Uh, That's why I always get confused. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. They didn't have this picture didn't exist by that before then. I guess so. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you're going to ask me what has the better cover, it's definitely Nickelback. Nickelback is, yeah, it's, it's classy. Yeah. But you can help, you know, you, you can, we're going to put this poll up. We are. We're going to ask you, the listener, you, who had the better album cover? The was kid. It, the, <laughs> was it City of Evil or All the Right Reasons? And you decide. You decide that I'm right. Is that is that it? Is oh, it, we're maybe. We're closing on the end of the yeah, show? Yeah, I think that's it. That's it. We just got um, runners up. Runners up. So you get to talk. Like, what what could have we been listening to if we if these albums didn't exist? I guess. Yeah. So if we weren't listening to Avenged Sevenfold, uh, we could have been listening to Dragon Force Hu- Inhuman Rampage. Dragon Force. I think everyone just everyone they, their first exposure to Dragon Force was Guitar Hero Three. Mm-hmm. Through the fire and flames, the hardest song in the game. Uh, I. I that that song is on this album. I remember getting it for Christmas, probably 2007 Christmas, um, and you know just listening to it. That album confused us because it was released almost worldwide in 2006, mm-hmm. but it released in Japan December 2005. Yeah, so it's technically a 2005 album. So we could have been listening. It to could it. we could have been listening into it to, in 2006 if it didn't get that early release. But yeah. it is now a 2005 album and I just so happened to hear Avenged Sevenfold first. I got it earlier in the year. Yeah. That so, makes sense. Yeah, 2007 was when I really started getting like albums. Mm-hmm. So Avenged Sevenfold got in early. It got in early. What song do you recommend from this album? Through the Fire and Flames. Uh, <laughs> that's the one. Um okay, so your next and only other runner up is your favorite band, Dream Theater, the album Octavarium. Octavarium. Again, this is just the nature of I heard Avenged Sevenfold first. I They got in early. I didn't discover Dream Theater until I think 2008. So it just wasn't in the cards, even though this is one of my favorite albums that Dream Theater has ever done. Maybe we'll do a dark episode. Maybe one day. We won't. Um your favorite band is very sad about this. They would have loved for you to talk about your favorite. This album. is like the, the this is combo breaker. <laughs> the, the the we've covered every Dream Theater album until this one, <laughs> and this is the one I would have liked to talk about. <laughs> Such is the the nature of our show. You know, it's not the album we like the most. It's the album that most invaded our life, and here we are. And he's a very honest man because he could have lied. I could have lied, but I didn't. I lie all the time. Uh, if you want a song to listen to from this album, uh, "Root of All Evil." <laughs> It's a great song. It's maybe my favorite Dream Theater song. I feel like I have that song on my phone. Yeah, you, you like that song. Yeah, it's a good song. I also recommend Root of All Evil. What do you got? 
So for me, uh, there were only two albums that uh, could have replaced Nickelback. Just like me. The first was um, The Veronica's Secret Life of The Veronica's is the title of that album. Never heard of that. Uh, of the album or the, the Veronica's? N- none of it. They're Australian. They're okay. Iconics. And um, they're, I actually first heard of them um, in an anime uh, music video, an AMV. And it was of just course. one of the songs. Yeah, it was one of the songs that was playing in um, the background of one. That's also the first time I heard Lincoln Park was from an AMV as well. Uh, and that's not the song I want to uh, lift up. Or if you're going to listen to, I honestly. There's really a lot of good songs on this album. I really, really like Heavily Broken. It's uh, a ballad more than anything else. And it's really, really pretty. I will just sing it sometimes. It's one of the only songs I can sing really well because I sing it so much. So it's a good one. There you go. Uh, and the only other band that I have is um, Panic at the Disco, Fever You Can't Sweat Out. <laughs> There's also a lot of, this is the first album. There are also like a lot of good songs on here. Um, my favorite, and this was during a time when these indie bands were having stupid titles for their songs. Yeah, this, that's their thing. This emo craze. Yeah. We're hitting there. Yeah. We're, we're, we're in the mid two thousands now. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. I can't, I like this song. How long is it? What's the, how long is the song title? It's not that long, but it, the song title itself is a little bit. Mm, so I really like, I should have put the other song here, uh, but uh, Lying is the Most Fun a Girl Can Have Without Taking Her Clothes Off is the title of the song that I recommend, which is good. There's another song that's on air uh, that I cannot think of what it's called right now uh, that I probably should have said that title instead because I also really like that, which it's good. Um but yeah, those are the runners up and um they're good. You they should, are good. You you should definitely listen to Veronica. So that would have been um you would have found them annoying. Not because they are annoying, they're just very pop. But they're Australian pop. <laughs> there you go. And that's the end of our show. Plugs. Yeah. If you like the show, you can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Blue Sky. Uh on Twitter and on Instagram, we are at Medium Eight Show. We're just at Media Made on Blue Sky. I made that. I made that account. <laughs> finally, at Media Made on Blue Sky. We got the codes. If you need codes, just reach out. On Twitter, on Instagram, we put up polls and videos and images and, and fun little things for everyone. <laughs> yes, and polls at the end of the month. <laughs> you can uh, support the show in a couple of ways. You can go on your podcast platform of choice and leave us a review and a five stars and. We really need that stuff, you know. Yeah. Show people that we're, we're worth listening to. Yeah. You can also, you know, throw us some money. Give yeah. us five bucks on coffee.com. It's yeah. ko-fi slash media made. Uh, you can buy us a coffee with your money. <laughs> <laughs> As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Rod the Master. Uh, I write for a video game sh- website called ZeldaDungeon.net. If you like Zelda, check that out. And uh, yeah, what do you got? Uh, if you're looking for me, I have a YouTube that I never use called Taming Tales. Um, I'll probably get back to it at some point. And I have a blog where I post the dramatization, I guess, uh, or dramatization, transcription, novelization. I post the novelization of a D&D game I have with my friends as we're going through uh, the Ravencloth. Ravencroft? Ravenloft. Ravenloft game. Uh, we are currently in Cozy Homeworld, so nothing terrible is happening. Uh, but um, 
we've actually in real time reached Ravenloft and I'm scared, big scared. But if you want to hear about if you want to know what we've been doing up to then, you can go to read that at chaosonthetable.blogspot.com. Uh the link for it is also in our link tree, which is in all the show notes. Yep. And that is the end of our show. Yeah. Uh you you threw out a song that you we could potentially close out with if you're so inclined. Uh, next contestant. It's bad. We closing out with it. Is it more bad lyrics? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is more bad lyrics. I, <laughs> I did look this one up too. Ugh. I was going to choose this one because this is also one of the songs I really liked. Like, I was like, oh, this is one of my favorite songs of the album, and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to talk about that on. on it's, it's, a, it's another song about Chad Kroger pretending to be tough. Yeah. He, it's a, Chad, you're no tough guy. He could right? be tough. <laughs> I don't think so. You don't know. You look like a tough guy. Uh, but yeah, next contestant, we're going to close out with that. And uh, we'll be back next time with our TV of 2005. Bye, kids. Here comes the next contestant. Is that your Stand.